go. <laughs> it's going to be funny every time now. It's, that was almost like a Joey Lawrence yo. Joey Lawrence said whoa, not yo. I, but if he said yo, oh. then that's what it would have sounded like. Whoa. Uh, I don't know if it was him. Yo, MTV Raps. Who is the... I don't know that I don't know my nineties TV. Okay. Uh he was on Blossom. I think it was a nine oh two. It doesn't matter. Because I, I What matter. were you Let's going to say? Use the words that were in your brain. There's a movie that starred like this nineties TV guy, and it was like uh-huh. a very brutal horror movie that I enjoyed that I want to watch, so I don't want to tell you the best part of the movie. If it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, then that was Jason Priestley. It's not. Okay. It's not. <laughs> Did, did I tell you when um, I probably did because we were doing the podcast, I imagine when I did, but we took my I took my son to meet Buffy and he was like had a crush on her. Mm-hmm. And then he realized that Buffy was 50, and not 20. <laughs> <laughs> and he was kind of like, I don't know if I want to go up there anymore. And I was like, dude, we're in line. And she was so cool. Like she didn't charge for the autograph because it was for my son and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, still lovely as ever. But my son didn't put the math together that he wasn't going to be seeing. Yeah, it wasn't that person immediately there. Exactly, yep. So, um, But it was good. That's my three-year-old story. Yay. (laughs) Do you know what I enjoy? Um, Pastries. Yes, some. Pastas. Sure. Carbs in general. I had pasta last night. Carbs in general. Uh, I really enjoy... Uh, white people being racist and then getting fired. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened, I think, last week or the week before. Like, some lady, some white lady with her dog was blocking a guy from getting into his building. Okay. Uh, and, like, then he finally was like, you know, I'm, please move out of my way. I am coming in. And then she, like, followed him around, like, stalked him the whole time. Uh, now, uh, apparently in North Carolina, um, there were these uh, two ladies who were waiting for AAA uh, outside their vehicle. I'm assuming African American ladies for yes, the story. I okay. believe they were they uh, they were both sisters and sisters. Okay. Uh, so that feels I don't vaguely know that, racist. I don't for know me. that I'm allowed to Should say you, that. You know, that's what I, you said that, and I was like, "Do I want to go? I'm going to go here." That didn't feel good to me. <laughs> Like I feel like you need to get fired from this podcast. Maybe. Like that would be that would be the way to be done with the podcast, right? <laughs> like you say, people need to get fired for being racist. And then you say something horrible, and then I fire you. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. Just and that's how we solve racism. <laughs> uh, but there was a lady who like walked up and was just like, like a suicide pack. We're both just like <laughs> episode ninety nine. <laughs> Almost made it in triple digits, but... Nope. Suicide pact. Yep. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, She was, like, rambling about, like, I'm white and I'm hot, and, like, I make $125,000 a year, and just yelling at these people for no reason other than she's just racist trash. And um, it, they immediately put it on Facebook and were like, hey... Uh, you know, this lady works at like the local, uh, she was, she was like an anchor, like a local news anchor or something. Oh my, that's even dumber if you were at all in the public eye. Right. Uh, she immediately got fired and, uh, the day is won. 
And it feels good. It's heartening. Uh, so two things. Don't let me forget about the people getting fired for being racist. Sure. Uh, along the same lines of something you just said, though. Mm-hmm. So years ago, uh, I had we, we were I was dealing with somebody that was unhappy at my place of employment, mm-hmm. and she was going off the walls and saying that she makes fifty thousand dollars a year and she doesn't have time to waste for this shit. Right. <laughs> okay. and she kept throwing that around, and finally. My boss was there and like I was thinking it and he didn't take the bite the first couple times. But like the third time she said that he's like, that's great. Some of our entry level people make that when they start here as well. <laughs> Let's fucking. <laughs> and it was incredible because he like I was on the tip of my tongue a couple times, too. And I was like, motherfucker, this bitch has got to stop. And then he went ahead and he slung it at her, too. Like it's pretty good. It it was really good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I get that this is Indiana and that's decent money. You know, you can totally live on that. But like, what to fl- like? That's not flauntable money. No, not even close. I don't think one hundred twenty thousand dollars is flauntable. No, money. like that's yeah, great. You are living comfortably. Congratulations. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is respectable, and you've done well for yourself. Good job. But that is by no means like gangsta Instagram money. No, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Like, have you uh, ever seen that picture of, uh, like, the white kid holding up, like, $12 throwing gang signs? I'm, I'm sure it's I've like, seen it. It's exactly that. Of them, yeah. Yeah. I, put, uh, I made a hilarious Facebook post that got, like, four likes years ago. <laughs> it said something like, apparently taking a picture with all your cash is a thing, but I don't have any, so I'll just take a picture with my debit card. <laughs> like, there's some truth to that. <laughs> so you put a picture of your debit card on the internet? No, no, no. It was the joke that, like, okay. you know how you take the selfie of yourself with all your money. Okay. Yeah. Um, so people getting fired for doing racist things. I ended up, there was a guy who I will not name, she'll be nameless, but he had said a couple things in, like, a Facebook group I'm part of, and I was like, I don't think I'm digging on this guy. Like, nothing overt. Just, like, you get vibes and you kind of immediately, like, when you're driving and you're like, I'm on this person's team, we're on the same team, I like this person that we're driving with, Mm -hmm. that guy's a douche. Like, you you have these, like, micro uh, uh, determinations of your opinion of somebody, right? Sure. So I've I've come to this opinion of this guy, and then I look at his his Facebook page. Cause I'm just ready to, to decide if I'm accurate or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally accurate. So it's a bunch of political stuff that I disagree with that I won't get into, but I just disagree. Which makes with, him a douchebag, which makes him a douchebag in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you don't agree with me. Yes. Fucking douche. Yes. Um, and like the one that pushed it over the, cause at least I could disagree with somebody, but the one that put it over the top was like, he had this big rant about how trick or treating's coming up. And every year he has a thing and his favorite trick or treater last year was he, he, so he keeps ramen noodles. So anybody that looks too old to be trick or treating, he gives them ramen noodles. And he said, that's, that's actually kind of fun. Um, came up and, uh, he made fun of her for being fat, and she said oh, she was probably fifteen. That's or, not fun. He said she was probably fifteen or sixteen. So he gave her the ramen noodles, and she laughed and thought it was a joke. And then he's like, "Fuck you! It's not a joke. Get out of here! You're too old to be trick or treating." And I'm like, "Fuck this guy!" Like this guy. I is thought actively... he meant like they were twenty no. and like taking their no. This is their like... little brother around. No, and just also no, had no, a bag. no, no, no. These are people that are or trick not, or treating. Not even had a bag. These are people that are trick or treating mm-hmm. that he deems too old. He doesn't give them candy. Gotcha. I'm like, there's so much other shit. I rescind my earlier that that seems like a fun. I'm thing glad to do. you clarified because I was like, are, uh, are you a dick? <laughs> like, I know you're a dick. Yeah, you're a right appropriate level of dick. Mm-hmm. Um, Just under your level of dickness. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But I was like, this guy is a douchebag. I do not like this guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but one of the things that he had posted that did make me step back a little bit was an Im- it was three images, and it was Jimmy Fallon, mm-hmm. Sarah Silverman, and Jimmy Kimmel okay. all dressed in blackface. Okay. And then it was making the analogy of like, this is appropriate, but Megyn Kelly got fired or whatever. I have zero context at all. Mm-hmm. But in fairness to that dude, I kind of want to know the context for those. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know that there is good context. If those are legitimate images, then I feel like those people did a bad thing. They certainly were, le- were they looked Right. certainly real i think um, that there are there's i don't i can't think even if you're overtly saying the joke is that this is terrible you still shouldn't be doing it because it is itself terrible and obviously you recognize that okay maybe i'm megan kelly right now but you just made the sisters joke right and like i don't think we've ever said the n-bomb but i've made the joke like i was going to say the n-bomb and mm-hmm. the the joke is that I'm horrible for getting ready to say, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that is, I don't know. I think it's impossible to say anything is, is impossible to make fun of. I, I generally agree. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not I, saying I, I'm, I think, I'm ready. So, to so my rule. Okay. Like, um, I had, I've, I had a similar conversation, not about blackface, but about like what jokes are off limits. And to me, like no subject matter is off limits for a joke. But um, what takes a joke over the line is who who is who's the punchline, right? If the punchline is the perpetrator of whatever context, or broad, more broadly, the concept. Mm-hmm. Generally, I'm okay with it. Okay, I get it. If the joke is on the victim. It's like the it fat is girl. never okay. Like the fat girl, right? Yep. So I constantly go to the the you know rape joke. I think you know it's a very controversial subject and it's a very delicate matter and you have to, I think, be really good at what you do to write a a good okay rape joke. But what they all have in common is they never are they're never like the the victim of the rape is never the punchline. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's where, like, uh, I feel like Daniel Tosh slipped up, you know, because I feel like his his rape joke controversy, the joke wasn't as good because, it, you know, it, was, it, fell, on the it fell on the victim. Sure. Uh, Versus, so yeah. You were, you were saying this, <clears throat> and I don't know if this joke translates at all, but I was thinking about, like, I was like, all right, what jokes have I made that could be uh, uh, questionable? And one that came to mind was when we were we were in Austin. So me, Ben, and Bruce are in Austin. And we're driving through like this shitty part. And I'm like, guys, I don't really want to park here because I don't have – there's like this uh, – literally 150 homeless people mm-hmm. just like in a line outside this building. This is where they set up camp. They had their stuff. I'm like, I'm not comfortable walking through there both – because I feel like shit when I'm not giving all of every single one of them all of my money. And I don't think it's necessarily safe going through this huge group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bruce made the joke, like, why is that? And it was the majority of them were African-American, right? Mm-hmm. So so I said, no, that's not it or whatever. I defended myself or whatever. And then we pulled up to a stoplight and there was like 
a young african-american dude who was dressed completely nice he was just going out and he walked by the car and i screamed like And but the joke is the on joke you. is on me, right? Okay, Not, I yeah. wanted to make sure. Okay, so I, yeah. I, I was putting your logic to the test, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the joke is on me, right? That and so when you put on blackface, you are portraying a character that was a caricature that was applied. You know, it's like uh, you know, it's it's it is a visual representation of the N word. It is the same thing. It is. The N-word is a word that was used to have power. This caricature was a an image that was used um, to to pull power away, to show that they were less than and everything. And that's why I think blackface is inherently on the victim. Mm-hmm. I I'm not disagreeing. To, to relate everything back sure. to, yeah, the, yeah, to, yeah. to that stance. It was stance. just, it was legitimately mm-hmm. like, there's nothing worse, I think, as people, and I'm including myself in this as much as I don't mm-hmm. want to admit it. I, I've totally fucked when, up and, when, well, and done jokes that I wish I hadn't. Sure. Um, but when, yeah, like the very first time you met my wife. It wasn't the first time. <laughs> We'd hung out a few times, mm-hmm. and I thought that she was cool, and I thought that she'd be okay if I treated her like garbage. <laughs> Turns out she wasn't. Weird. Weird. <laughs> She's sensitive like that. Huh? <laughs> um, but but what I was gonna say was like that you, you inherently like the, that's why you most of the time you're friends with people who think the same thing you do because you just want to be patted on the back and told you're right. So when mm-hmm. you're confronted with something that's a legitimate point, like that's why that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the other bullshit that meant nothing. Right. That I, I'm talking about the one thing that I saw that mm-hmm. was legitimately like, okay, that's fair. These yeah. people may have been wrong and mm-hmm. probably were wrong in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Challenge your beliefs and your views. Yeah. I was way more into that when I was mm-hmm. 20 watching art house films. Yeah. Now, now I just want to hang out with people that agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was all. Like, I remember getting girls with that, like, this big speech about being an individual and questioning your beliefs. Oh, and yeah. Blah, blah, blah. That's the philosopher's wonder wall. <laughs> the philosopher's wonder wall. I like mm-hmm. that. It's a good phrase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom was crooning Wonderwall, and I was like, no, you got to question it. You got to be an individual. <laughs> yeah. Which I still subscribe to. However, I just put zero thought into it I, anymore. I'm just like, I don't give a shit if I wear that shirt outside because it's dirty. <laughs> Who do I have to impress? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got kids. I got a wife. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I got my friends. I don't want any new friends. Why would I want new friends? Sure. Exactly. <laughs> I feel really weird right now because I wanted to laugh harder at my own joke. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, don't apologize. I held myself back. Yes. Because I said it. It surprised me that it came out of my brain. Mm-hmm. And it was something that had it come out of someone else's mouth, I would have laughed heartily at. But I felt it would be really weird to laugh at my own joke here. I laugh at my own jokes. <clears throat> and then I have to try to figure out ways to tell other people about the joke that I said. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, I- that's what sucks when like you're... you're your wittiest stuff, like all this stuff that's like killed, is completely contextual. Yeah. You want to be like, okay, I need to set up the exact context again so that you can know how fucking hilarious I am. You need to know this. I was uh, recently, I gotta make sure I say this properly. 
<clears throat> recently I was with a friend and we were reminiscing on a sexual experience he had when he was very young. Okay. Um, so this is, this is the way you put your hand as to judge a height of a person. Oh no. Made me feel like this might be a bad experience. This is third. No, 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 nothing like that. Okay. No, 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 no. Like he, he, it was, it was a hundred percent consensual. Okay. Okay. And I'm just we, never, that's never been in the context of sorry. a sexual experience when he was young and then you hold your hand <laughs> four feet above the ground and like, Ooh. okay. So I guess I'm not, I'm not using any names. So I'll just say, yeah. okay. So, uh, uh, it is, so, so he had a, a sexual experience when he was 13, 14, something along those lines, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a humorous one that I won't get into, but it was a babies humorous... making babies, man. It was a humorous sexual experience. Sure. And we we laughed about it, right? Like, hey, remember when this awkward sexual experience happened? Mm -hmm. um, it is, is it normal? It, it probably is, but... In some relation... Are you talking about, is it normal on. to talk about sexual relations? Yes, and I was... So here's, here's where I was going with that. I think that... It is normal, um, especially when you're younger. And I was going to say even uh, what I was going to say was it tapers off as you get older. But I think that's probably just our our friend group is we are not bros like we yeah. are not the frat group guys. Um, like I think when we talked about sex, uh, it was like aspiring to that. Yeah. Right. Like you're climbing that hill. And then once you hit there, it's done. Like we've never been anybody that's been on this podcast is not a bro. Right. I, I think stereotypically, and, you know, some things are stereotypes for a reason, uh, that men talk more about conquests. But um, I, I've but, never found that to be true with my friends or myself. Right. It, for, for me, and at least my discussions with you, it's mm -hmm. always been about reaching that plateau. And then once you get there, it's like, it's yeah. not kissing and telling. Right. Unless you're something humorous. But there's also, yeah, there's also, there also becomes a normalcy to it, right? Yes. It's like masturbation, right? So. <laughs> That's your go-to? No, hold on. Here's my normalcy. Okay. Here's my normalcy. When you were in sixth grade to eighth grade, you didn't masturbate, right? I feel like I probably did somewhere you, in that you, time. No, you totally did. I'm talking to your friends. Oh, right. There was it was something that wasn't advertised by the time you get into high school and college. And now you don't give a shit. Of course, you masturbate. Yeah. Right. There's a degree of normalcy that it stops becoming something that's questionable or not questionable, something that's unexplored. Mm -hmm. And it is a normalcy. So it just stops becoming something. So. Yesterday, I was sitting on the couch with Marianne and. I had an itch on my knee that, like, made my leg twitch. <clears throat> and it was, you know, I was doing something else. Uh, and so, like, I kind of ignored it for a second. But then it was, like, fucking twitching. My leg was twitching. It's like, okay, I have to deal with this. So then I, I was like, hey, Marianne, do you ever, have, you ever have an itch that, like, makes you twitch? And she's like, yeah, all the time. And I, it's one of those things where I realized, like, I feel like people just whenever they have an experience, they feel like they might be the only person in the world to ever have that experience. Sure. And that somehow that makes it shameful. And so they just don't talk about it. And that was like a weird revelation I had yesterday. And I feel like it, it is somewhat relevant to this conversation. Sure. Uh, 
anyway, I guess there's like eight conversations going on right now. But the point that I was making is I think there is a degree of sexual conquest, things that happen with yeah. a different mentality of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like when we did all of our under uh, arrest things, my wife and I watched. Yeah. So many of them was like guys going out and getting drunk and fighting with people. And I, every time I would tell her, like, I cannot imagine any of my friends do it. This is just not the people that I would ever want to hang out with is anyone that is ever going to get into a fight with someone else. Yeah. It's just not my thing. And I think those are the guys that are talking about their sexual conquests. Yeah. Anyway. So there's also a degree to like when you're 20 and you know, it's like a one night stand or like a relationship that's only been going on for like three months. You might like go to your friend and be like, Hey, uh, such and such. And I, tried fisting but if you're in like a multi like if oh. you're in double year yeah double digit year like the next time i see marianne <laughs> like the next time you you like you see your friend like you're not gonna be like so the wife and i tried fisting <laughs> like even if even if it's equally new experience both times you you know it's just it's a different there's a different degree i still think that's us though i still think there's those total bros that that like swap pictures of their wives dude sure i don't know maybe i just really wanted to get a fisting joke <laughs> you, you got the podcast. congratulations so anyway so the point of this is that uh, i didn't sip that by the way either for you you're welcome yeah. um is uh previously in in our in our hanging out uh referenced this humorous anecdote about being 13 14 and having a sexual experience right mm-hmm. And later, uh, said friend did a callback to that and phrased it by saying, when I touch that girl's privates. And I am confident he was overheard. Wait, he used those words? He used those words. Okay. Touch those girls, those privates. Okay. Because. There's something weirdly yes, like clinical about that. A hundred percent. Like he's testifying. Yes. But here's the thing. Pretty sure we were getting eavesdropped by some uh, a forty-year-old woman. <laughs> so that sound, there was no context to him being that age. Also, <laughs> so it sounded horribly, horribly perverted and wrong. If you just had that context of like, like when I touched that girl's privates. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? I feel like if you're gonna make a callback reference joke mm-hmm. in today's era. You got to say when I grabbed her by the pussy, one hundred percent. Well, but that wouldn't be as bad. No, that's what I'm like. That's why I'm saying. Then you would have had a laugh, and then another like chuckle when you kind of realize. He was trying to make it not as big of a deal. He was trying to say when I was young and innocent, and I had that slight sexual encounter with that young girl woman. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, he made it way worse. (laughs) Yes, like instead of being like when I fisted that bitch, (laughs) which would have just been a pig thing to say. Yeah. He he had to say when I touched that girl's private. There's a spectrum and both ends are bad. <laughs> you got to find that middle ground. So I have no idea how we started talking about that. That's the way this goes. Like, yeah. I really want to, I want to see our Remember conversations. Remember when this was a movie cup podcast? I want to see it plotted out. <laughs> like, I want to see linearly how this happens. Like, it needs I, to be some sort of a chart. I could probably create a, some sort of bot that transcribes all of our podcasts mm-hmm. that would be the worst read <laughs> it's like okay. what the fuck are we talking 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll make an app that like transcribes our podcasts, and then you go to it, and it just gives you a random paragraph. Dude, you know what? I kind of love that idea because then I want to look at like a uh, a bar graph that shows the percentage of what we talk about because there's really like four subjects we talk about. We talk about racism. We talk about movies. We talk about sex and we talk about embarrassing stories. Those are the four things that we ever talk now, about. Right? Now you're adding in like textual analysis. Man. So, but tell me that wouldn't be great. Like, oh, sure. this has got 75% racism in it that we're talking The thing I said, I already wrote in my head. Like that app, I just use Amazon Cloud and it's all easy. Mm-hmm. The app you're talking about, fuck that. Yeah, but it would be awesome. Need some fucking data warehouse and some Hadoop clusters. Uh, you know what else is awesome? What? Blood Diner. You know what? It kind of is. <laughs> it synopsis. kind of is. Synopsis. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, two <laughs> brothers uh, and their reanimated, the reanimated brain of their uncle mm-hmm. try to resurrect a god from five million years ago, i.e. before there were people. <laughs> Good job. That was really good. Thanks. <laughs> it also sounds way more rational and reasonable than, it, <laughs> than the movie deserves to be. Uh, overall thoughts on Blood Diner. So, uh, I feel like you picked these movies for me. These, okay. These were contenders for episode 100, remember? Blood Diner the movie. Is uh, there a Blood Diner the book? <laughs> Like is there the, a Blood Diner the stage play? <laughs> <laughs> is there a Blood Diner TV series? I want to see these things. So the movie as a whole. I want to write the novelization of Blood Diner. Go do for th- it. Do you think? <laughs> so you I don't about, think anyone would come after you. You hear about about uh, like people making fake trailers and they get turned into things. Has there ever been like a fan fiction that gets picked up and turns into being canon? Uh, I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey was Twilight fan fiction. Really? You didn't know that? Mm-mm. But I don't know anything about Twilight. Fifty Shades of Grey was Twilight fan fiction, and then she just changed the names. And I didn't. Does it have anything supernatural? I thought it was no, just. No, it doesn't. I thought it was just like mom kink. Basically, it just went from vampire to rich guy. Okay. And that's it. Oh, that's cool. I know that she was just like a housewife, and then. Yeah. She was just writing stuff herself and then it got picked up. She also seems like a horrible controlling person, but you know, she's rich now. So I guess she can be that person. So I guess forget about that. It's a cool story that somebody's able to just find something that they enjoy and then all of a sudden can explode. Yeah. That's good. Uh if you Why is she a horrible and controlling person? Uh her I've read the first two of the three. Really? So you don't read, but you've read Fifty Shades of Grey? So Back in 2011, I was into a girl, and she said her favorite books were Fifty that Shades was your of Grey. Did you fist her? I did not. <laughs> uh, okay, so we both worked together at the school. Literally the first conversation, I've like seen her and said hi to her in the hallway. First conversation we have is literally about S&M. So I'm just like, all right. Uh, I'm infatuated with this girl now. And she went on. She talked about how she had agree was her favorite book. It's so, it's so good. So I was like, all right, I'm going to read these so we can have more things to talk about. 
because I'm I'm a pussy. I can't actually ask her out or anything. No. So I have to continue to find ways to see her because mm-hmm. I'm a creepy douchebag. <clears throat> so I read the first book. It's okay. It's kind of hot in places. It's mostly boring. It's uh, it's what I probably envision it being with being like mom porn, right? Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, an extreme version of that. Uh. But then I read the second book. And it is complete fucking garbage. It's like not as sexy as the, like the first one had some cool scenes, some sexy scenes. The second book is not sexy like in the slightest. And the ending is so bad that I went, I'm done. Like, what's the not end? I will it. never read it. So, <clears throat> like, do I need to know context for a reason why it's bad? Okay. Here's Does the- a bird fly down and grab them <laughs> as they're whipping each other? Here's the whole thing. Do you know how hard it is to explain how proud that moment is for me to people? I have tried. It might be the highlight of my life, the fact that I was able to do that. And there's either two people, two groups of people. Either they don't believe me, they 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 or here they don't care, or they don't believe me. They're yeah. like, of course. I feel like you know. there's more of the former than the latter, but or or they don't believe me that mm-hmm. of course I knew what the Lord of the Rings ended, mm-hmm. and I made the joke, and I'm claiming to have never seen it. No, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So the whole point of the series, Christian Gray, who uh, I don't know if you know this, he makes a hundred thousand dollars an hour. That's literally a line from the book. He makes a hundred thousand dollars an hour. So good, so good. I think anybody that's such a good businessman. Anybody that makes that much <laughs> doesn't quantify it like that. Number one. <laughs> And number two, that sounds like Doctor Evil asking for one million dollars exactly. It's like, it's like, okay, so the guy's gonna be rich, right? But like, how rich? Like, super rich? No, but like, how rich? Like, so rich he makes like a hundred thousand dollars an hour. It's like, it's like a horny child wrote it. Uh, so, the whole point of this is he is. A dom. He's a dominant. Mm-hmm. He likes to whip people. That's mm-hmm. what he gets off on. Dude, I'm a Wrath James White fan. I know what a dom is. Okay. And so um, our lady protagonist is uh, becomes his sub. But then, like, they fall in love, and he wants to have, like, she wants to have a normal relationship, and he has to figure out what that means. Uh, and the ending of the second movie like this guy who like the whole thing has been like uh look at his bare chest it's amazing and he's like the most dominant guy ever uh ends when an old sub breaks into uh our protagonist's apartment um uh with a gun to kill her he talks her down grabs the gun she like runs off and then he just cries and he's sobbing and he's down on the floor in a submissive position and she thinks, oh, like he's broken. He's so broken. I need to fix him. And that's the end of the book. And it's fucking terrible. It comes out of nowhere. There's no, there's all, there's pretty much no build up to it. It's a terrible moment and it is 100% just like it is exactly the stereotype that you hear is like super superman but he's broken and i have to fix him so that he can be like total superman my wife's read these there was uh 
I'm sure I said this before, but it, it deems repeating. There was a one point where like I put a book down and I was reading a Clive Barker book and uh, she was like, how's your book? I was like, it's good. Uh, the hell priest is in the process of overthrowing hell right now from Satan. And she looks at me and says, oh, the guy in my book is making his girlfriend soup. <laughs> pretty proud of that yeah it's like that's my wife yep it's a pretty good moment (laughs) like uh i had something else there fan fan fiction becoming you want to write the novelization it's gone blood diner blood diner okay so you said that we've got two boy two brothers yeah they're playing at home two little boys at this point yep it's 1962 yep they're at home playing yes uh, okay. Uh, I need to open up IMDb for this moment. Okay. Uh, because I don't know if you looked at IMDb for this movie at all. I don't know if I did. It's been a little bit since I watched it for this podcast. Uh, I need to. So while he's doing that, I will say that this is absolutely my thoughts, my overall thoughts on this film. This on paper should be a movie that I hate because Mm -hmm. I've like said that I don't enjoy trauma. I don't enjoy the slapstick stuff. Yeah. And I cannot quant. Maybe it's that there's only X amount of movies that I can like, like Mm -hmm. this. And for whatever reason, this one sticks. Sure. But I have so much fun during this movie. It is so dumb, but the effects aren't necessarily taken lightly with one exception. And that's Valentino. Uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the the effects aren't taken lightly. That's taken uh, really seriously, which I enjoy. Um, but I just have a, a great fun time watching this. That's the best way to describe this. This would be a party movie, and that's why I would have thought this would have been a good one for 100 for us. Yeah. Okay, so it's two little boys. Mm-hmm. They're playing. Uh, their mom keeps calling them assholes, and then she leaves. Okay. <laughs> they definitely have different dads, too. Like yeah. That's a that's some, a little tweak for this that I love, is that they yeah. definitely are half-brothers. Yeah. It's never said, but one of them is half Italian or Native American or something, right? Yeah. He's got a little spice thrown in there somewhere. Sure. Okay. Uh, so, the spicy one okay. <laughs> looks like little Rufio. He does look like Rufio. And the white as white can be little boy uh-huh. looks like baby to- uh, baby Ted Cruz. Uh-huh. <laughs> baby Ted Cruz. At first, I thought he One looked- of them is a girl, by the way. I did read that, so I guess yeah. I did look at IMDb. Okay. So that's that's what I wanted to, to tell you. Oh, sorry. These are the names of the people. Okay. So the the little Rufio mm-hmm. boy is actually a girl named Rosca, uh, Roxanne mm-hmm. Osco. The other little boy's name- Sir Lamont Roadheaver. <laughs> what else has Sir Lamont Roadheaver been in? He doesn't even have an IMDb picture. Oh, uh, that's never a good sign. Yeah. Or it is a great sign because he is a surgeon making $100,000 an hour. And But here's the thing. I, I, he, I, don't think he, I don't think that's a title. I think that's his name. Sir Lamont Roadheaver. Well, yeah, I don't think there's no Sir Ian McKellen in IMDb, right? Like, if you look at IMDb, Probably, yeah. it doesn't say Sir. Right. So that's like just his name. I kind of love that idea. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> if we have another kid, I'm going to uh, put a title in front of its name. Is that a good idea? It'd be good if he's like a waiter or something. Sir, sir. No, I was thinking more like a political thing, like. Uh, Sir, uh, 
That's all how you say that word. Yeah. Like, Sir. Like treasurer. <laughs> treasurer. Comptroller. Tre- Comptroller Beauregard uh, Hall. Comptroller <laughs> is the best. Um, okay, so they're at home playing, and they hear on the radio that there is an escaped madman who has murdered people, and he is armed with a meat cleaver and his genitals. He said meat cleaver in one hand, genitals in the other. Right. And I'm just like, okay, that could mean one of two things. Either he has removed them probably Mm -hmm. with said meat cleaver and they are now in his hand and he is probably waving them around Mm -hmm. or he's just got his hand down his pants or maybe not even wearing pants. Both are are all three options are equally probable in this movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So he bursts in the door and they're like, oh, hey, uncle. What's going on? Yeah. He breaks the door down bit by bit. It takes 45 seconds for him to break this door down. Yeah. It was less of a, of a hard time for Tyler Maine to break down the guard shack in Halloween 2. Remember when he breaks that down? Mm-hmm. And that, by the way, that was legitimately a house that was built. They hadn't swapped that out for the stunt one, and he just fucking broke that <laughs> thing down. <laughs> it's a fun fact that nice. I don't know if I shared during Halloween 2 more interesting than the movie itself but he fucking breaks that thing down and i feel like it's the same problem here like he legit breaks this door down i feel like the problem is they had one door and they couldn't afford a second so when he didn't kind of go through it the first time just keep going just keep keep going going. (laughs) we'll cut away oh shit i forgot to cut away (laughs) i'm gonna focus on the door we have one camera rolling we can't cut away to anything else just use and just cut back to another shot of the kids. Um, so he he busts in and he gives them a five million year old amulet mm-hmm. that was bought at J.C. Penny. That was <laughs> bought at J.C. Penny. I thought it was from a quarter machine, but whatever. Uh, e- either place or, or so place to find fine fake five jewelry. million year old amulet. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, that there's no way that's possible. But then I was like, wait a minute. The amulet could exist before human beings. There's no reason that a human had to make this. Sure. So I forgave the movie. I can't complain. You forgave it? <laughs> like at first I was like, well, I call bullshit on this movie. And I was like, no, it can make sense. I see where you're going here. It predates the dawn of time. I ran into the doorknob. <laughs> uh, did the cat meow at this point? I'm sorry, the dog. There's a dog. I don't think dogs meow. No, but this dog meowed. Well, there was a lot of ADR in this movie, so the dog could have meowed. Uh, And the dog definitely meowed. (laughs) Because at first when you're watching it, I'm like, did they really? No, they knew what they were doing. Even if you didn't hear it, you would agree. If they saw a dog and it meowed, that was on purpose. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he's trying to hypnotize the dog by looking at the Felix the cat clock. Mm -hmm. And it meowed. Okay. Wait, maybe it was the clock meowing? I don't think that cat, that clock meows. Uh, something meowed, and it was either the cla- the uh, cat clock or a dog meowed. Yeah. Uh, so, Uncle, what's the uncle's name? Uh, Anwar. Gets gunned down. Yeah. He's like, here, have these. I got to go do something outside. And he gets gunned down by the cops. Don't forget what I taught you. Yeah. And they show he ha- they have the book that he wrote that's like ancient curses or something. They're like, don't forget what I taught you. And they point to this book that was made yesterday. <laughs> that's like five million year old 
verses and shit. Yes. Basically, it was a title. Yes. It was yeah. basically... <laughs> Justin's not being facetious here. <laughs> it was very close to that. <laughs> I'm at least 83% right. <laughs> it was like... There was a placeholder in the screenplay when they wrote it. Like, come up with cl- title here about five million year old verses and shit. And then they just kept it all the way through. Like, the props department got that thing, and they just had to leave it at that because they couldn't afford to make another... Yeah. Uh, so, smash cut to 20 years later. Mm-hmm. So it's now 1982. It is. Um, they've done surprisingly well for themselves, like their business owners. Yeah. Well, you're, we're not even there yet because we're following the security guard who, for some reason, this is the security guard at a uh, graveyard because mm-hmm. those have security guards. It's the same security guard that works at the uh, hospital where Cult of Chucky was filmed because it's <laughs> part-time positions. Yeah. They can't. They don't want to pay for the health insurance, so it's mm-hmm. part time there, part time there. Yeah. Uh, so he's like scared to walk into the graveyard, and then he walks by a tree, and branches fall on him, and he is scared shitless. And then the next second is like, oh, ha 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 ha, that's silly. Doesn't even look up to see. Dude, a whole branch fell on you. There might be something up there dropping that branch on your noggin. No, doesn't care. It was Wiley a coyote. Yeah. Uh, and then we see uh, a grave. And we see dirt coming out of the grave. What's the epitaph on said grave? Uh, it's, I'll, it's be, I'll back. be back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, An- Anwar 1942 to 1982, I think. Something. Yeah. Um, it couldn't have been 82. Or, yeah, 19... 19- I think it was 1912 to 1962. That would make so more sense. I think sense. they both ended in two. That would make more sense. But uh, so I love the idea that somebody like is, is is like, all right, what's our next hits? It says, I'll be back. This guy paid. <laughs> this was paid for, right, Rick? Rick, double check that paperwork. It says, I'll be back is what I'm supposed All right, I'm supposed to carve it into it. They paid for it. Click, 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 click. He would, he, he would have been a real big Terminator fan and. Uh, he would have years. it would have been huge 10 years that's 82. actually what inspired james cameron i don't know if you know that yeah blood mm-hmm. diner mm-hmm. uh so they dig up the grave uh and the security guards are like you can't dig up that grave and he's like oh sorry officer but my brother's gonna hit you in the back of the head with a shovel and your eyeballs are gonna pop out <laughs> but just the front of them literally pop out yeah but they like didn't they didn't buy eyeballs they just bought like the little things that you're supposed to like put on a ball or something cuz it was just like the fronts <laughs> anyway and then he immediately turns into a dummy yes and they play around with him and then just throw him and they throw him like he's a dummy yeah. and weighs nothing so uh Marion watched this started watching this with me and she hates bad movies. And so the whole time she's like, this is stupid. And I, the whole time I was agreeing with her. And then that moment happened. And I was like, the next time something happened, she's like, this is stupid. And I was like, I know, but it's like the best kind of stupid. 
I am completely now on board. That guy's eyeballs just popped out. He turned into a dummy and got suplexed into the next graveyard. It's fantastic. I, I'm legitimately impressed that that actor was able to throw that dummy that far. Forget about the fact that it's supposed to be a human body. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's a dummy was equally impressive. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was just like a Kermit the Frog felt Muppet thing. Mm-hmm. With with like a plastic head it on it. It was still impressive. Regardless of the weight, the fact that you could throw anything that far that big was impressive. Yeah. So they dig him up. They mm-hmm. find his desiccated corpse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been 20 years. Not skeletonized yet. Nope. But guess what? His brain is in perfect shape. Um, absolutely Pristine. perfect. <laughs> so they pull it out with no brainstem attached or anything. Mm-hmm. And then they put it in a jar and suddenly it has a brainstem and eyeballs. Uh and is in pretty darn good shape also. They did a lot of pre-planning, though. Like, they got whatever the concoction that that liquid has to be. Because mm-hmm. he's in good shape pretty quick. I assume it's formaldehyde. There's way more to it than that, bro. Did you read his five million old books and shit? I, I can't believe I did. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. I don't believe that I that did. That should be an offshoot of my fan fiction. I'm going to write his book, too. There you go. And don't you get the bundle. Forget writing the fan fiction. Just write the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we go to cops. Yes. Who I like to call the ADR cops. <laughs> because both of them completely 100% their there's uh, lines there. have been there's, replaced. Yeah, there's nothing there that's real. Yeah. And before, and when it tricked me, I was like, wait, have I just been, was this movie like Italian or something? And I've just like, haven't noticed that they've been dubbed or whatever. Nope, it's the cops. And then I was like staring at their mouths like, no, he's saying those words. Yes. Those are the words coming out of his mouth, yep. but those aren't the words coming out of his mouth. No. Uh, and it, it's so hard to tell if it's a terrible actor or not when there's ADR involved mm-hmm. because you want to think that it's a terrible actor, but they could be doing the best job in the world and it's on the sound person that failed on that day. But here's the thing. Uh... The chief character never is not ADR. He's always ADR. Okay. I think um, the non-chief character. The black uh, guy? The white guy that likes the black chick. Is there a black cop? Mm, There might be like a beat cop picking up a body somewhere. Okay. Go ahead. Because he's like a, a like the Italian kind of suave guy that's not actually suave. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Italian dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, he's hitting on the other black cop the whole time. Yes, when, okay. when she shows up. The female black cop. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. So... That scene ends mm-hmm. with the eight, something there's like weirdly obsessed with fish. There's a lot of fish died making this movie, yes. right? So, like two or three times, they knock fish out of bowls and legit break the bowls, and there's fish flopping around on the ground. Mm-hmm. And not even just like a fish that somebody could be to the standing to the side, and like we're gonna, the fish is gonna fall. I'm gonna dive in, I'm gonna pick it up. There's a dozen fish, mm-hmm. including teeny tiny little feeder fish. Yeah. Those fish definitely died. Nobody give a shit about those fish, right? Totally not. Uh, Did you ever have sea monkeys growing up? I did not. We did. And every time it resulted in those sea monkeys getting spilled. And 
every time, even to this day, like I know that those sea monkeys were just in the carpet somewhere, just like trying to flop around, but you couldn't see them because they're fucking tiny. And every time when my mom would be like, spill the sea monkeys again, get a towel, I'll vacuum. There's no saving those sea monkeys. Do you know what you bought when you bought sea monkeys? Eggs, shrimp, terrible, terrible racism. What are you talking about? The guy who invented sea monkeys? Uh Huge racist, like best buddies with the grandmaster of the KKK. Seriously? Yep. Hmm. Huge fucking racist. Okay. Terrible human being. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Good to know I supported the cause. (laughs) Yeah. Seagal. Did you see... um, uh, My assumption is is that company has totally... It's not like that's actively part of their... uh, their resources, right? Uh, I think I think his estate still gets money when you buy sea really? Yeah, mm, good. Uh, um, but I can't be certain about that. But that doesn't mean his estate that definitely was founded right. on that feels the same way. Yeah, they might be making reparations. Maybe, probably not. They also might not be. <laughs> uh, so yeah. What would you do few... if you did have millions of dollars based off of slave labor? What do you think you would do? Because you would 100% be like, if, I like, like my, if I inherited I like, wealth, yes, you'd be if like, I, I like my money. Wealth. I didn't do anything wrong, but I like this money. So you would, what I'm imagining Like is, I inherited Nazi gold or something. Yes, you would, you would give a lot away, but keep more than you gave away to try to make yourself feel better. But you would still be living off of the blood of those, those war victims. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It would suck because I probably would keep it. You would. Yeah, I'm a terrible person sometimes. <laughs> I advocate for being a good person. Yes. And I try to be a good person. But when it comes down to it, you would be more rich than the person that you were trying to give reparations to. Yeah. You'd be like, no, 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 look at that guy. I put him through college. I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start the United That Negro College Fund. Yes. That guy can go to college. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I made a joke on a name that they say it's in the, it's in their title. Yeah, I don't know. It's questionable. <laughs> uh, Go ahead. I'm just trying to figure out how much the guilt by my... association rubs off on me. Uh, no, in all, in, in all seriousness, like yeah. I feel like these conversations show like the the the, the white plight. <laughs> Right, like, okay. I chose those words as a joke. I chose it's, those it's words a good, as a joke. It's a good rhyme. Yes, I I chose those words as a joke. But you know what I mean, yes. like that 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 degree that in reality, like, I think conscious Caucasian people are aware of these problems and aware at the same time of our hypocrisy with know, dealing with them. We're woke, man. We're so woke. <laughs> we're just so woke. Yes. Go ahead. I got nothing. Blood diner. Blood Let's diner. Talk about blood diner. Okay. So, um, so we go from we go from all the fish killing. Yes. To, to the, the diner. diner. So that's what I mean. These guys, the mom couldn't have done too terrible raising these kids because they're business owners. Sure. They don't have any employees. They're the only two people that work in this diner apparently. Mm-hmm. But they're business owners, right? And it seems pretty yeah, successful. Of a vegetarian restaurant. It seems pretty successful. Where, and this isn't. This isn't. We're in like the vegan craze, right? right. This is in the eighties. Food craze. Yes, this is in the eighties. Yeah, uh, it sure seems to be pretty popular. Sure. Yeah. Uh, 
you get a f- they feed people people, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's popular, though. Uh, yeah. What was there before Anwar showed up? Were they still feeding people people? I don't know. Or did that start with him? I don't know. You, know you need to explore that in your, in your novelization. I should. Mm-hmm. I should. It needs flushed out a little bit. Um, so they're feeding people people. Flushed and we... out? It's fleshed out. Because you're you're adding flesh to your creation. I think you're right. Yeah. Hmm. I think it might be I think it might be both. Like one of those things like, oh, we got this coming down the pipe mm-hmm. which I hate when people say that because it's we have this coming down the pike. But to me it's it's always pike. But I hear I think I hear pipe more often. Okay, Google. Is it flushed out or fleshed out? We're going to find out here. Flesh out. Mm-hmm. Good job. You win this one. Good job for you. Yeah. Congrats. So. Uh, Is it sister or sister? So, there, <laughs> so there's hey, a. Google. The radio uh, tells you that there are a couple of, uh, of pathological weirdos that have stolen bodies, body yeah. parts from the grave. And Anwar tells us that we need to make a body for Sheetar. And so George starts making a body out of vegetables, mm-hmm. including like cutting a cantaloupe in two and then putting like like little cherry nipples on him. He's made a whole body out of vegetables. Yes. Not quite what Anwar was going for. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I, at this point, I thought that that's what exactly they were going to do. No, it's not. I, I didn't know been, that. It then. could have been correct. My next note here says vitamin C hates homo wrestling or homo wrestler. Mm-hmm. Is vitamin C... The fat guy. That's right. Vitamin yeah. C is the fat, like, is he like a food critic? He is just a connoisseur of good health food. Okay. As a 400-pound man. Yeah, that is clever. I don't know if clever is the right word. No, it's not. It's not clever. No. Uh, it is humorous. Sure. Uh, yes. Uh, but that's, yeah, he hates homo wrestling is what it is. So so the one brother, the white mm-hmm. brother, is very into professional wrestling. And he, vitamin C, is just constantly shitting on how gay it is. Yeah. And this is a very much a product of the 80s. This is would double feature well with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 when they talked about fudge packers. Sure. When casual homophobia was just to be loved, like that's what you did to like really get your somebody on your side was just casual homophobia. I loved vitamin C's story about his name. Uh, There's he was like, well, well, thank you, Mister. He's like, my friends call me Vitamin C because I'm Vitamin C. C. (laughs) That was like. I'm fat. You know I'm fat. Call me tiny. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the same joke, right? Right. So uh, so uh, we smash cut from the diner immediately to uh, about a dozen women with no shirts on. Yes. And this is actually genius for the business-minded person inside of the movie because we've already established the 80s were – all over watching people work out. Yeah. It's like sexy ways. Huge. Yeah. That was a huge deal. 
so why not make them topless? Right. Those would sell fantastic. So that's what they're doing. They're making a dozen women uh, do aerobics topless. Yeah. Genius business move. Uh, including, like, the woman behind the camera is wearing, like, a singlet, but has pulled her boobs out of the singlet. Like, the straps are still over her shoulders, but she has pulled her boobs out. Even though she is behind the camera. That's camaraderie, bro. Like I, Adam Green always talks about how like uh, if it's raining on the set or whatever, if there's water, uh, water machine, rain machines, mm-hmm. he'll stand out with the actors so that it's part of the camaraderie. It's the same thing. Like okay. whenever I direct porn, I have my dick out. Yeah, that makes it's sense. It's just what I do. Yeah. It's my style. Uh, and then they just, uh, somebody in a Reagan mask walks in and just mows them down with with a gun it's mouse them down (laughs) (laughs) they slaughter everyone and then take their pick of a tongue and an ass yeah like he has uh like a turkey cut like a turkey carving like knife you know the thing that is an electric knife that goes back and forth it's called an electric knife uh but he just has it like that place where the butt meets the thigh. Mm-hmm. He just has it in there and he's like rocking. He's so basically just, just making jiggling. the butt jiggle. It's just jiggle But butts. that's made to look like it's, <laughs> it's cutting. It's, through, cutting. Right? Yeah. it's definitely the safest way that they could utilize that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they liked the butt jiggle a little too much because they just like stayed on it. Mm-hmm. And you could see like obviously it's not cutting anything. Yes. It's just jiggling on her butt for 10 that's seconds. That's the hardest part to get through. It's like the rind of... of uh, a watermelon. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to take a second. But as soon as you make it through that, the rest is going through. If you've cut some women's asses off, you would know. I guess. Hmm. Yeah, so they just, like, cut up the body parts and take just a few things. Okay. So now the police show up with uh, ADR chief. Don't they vomit around now? When do they vomit? Uh, who? I don't... I feel like there's vomiting here, because I have the note... And the note that I have is best vomiting scene since Problem Child. You're two-thirds of the way into the movie already. But I think Problem Child came out after this movie. So, hmm. well, we'll say it was inspired by Problem Child. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, ADR, ADR chief and Italian guy and then uh, new black cop show up. And I don't know how we got from A to B. Because I was too busy laughing at the cops just with their bare hands picking up body parts and throwing them in the trash bags. <laughs> Including, like, the Rick Moranis cop who's just like, meh. Uh, so I hear him say something about vegetarians. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? How? What? How? What? What? And somehow the M.O. is they're killing vegetarians. Not they're killing, they just walked into a building and killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Not they're killing uh, topless women because it's immoral or anything. Mm-hmm. Not they just hate aerobics. Or or they're just killing attractive women, which I think is the go-to creepy <laughs> murderer thing, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, they're killing vegetarians immediately. It's because these are amazing cops because they're right. You can't ADR argue with their logic. <laughs> you can't argue with his logic. He's correct. Uh, <laughs> so then they come back to the diner, uh, and they're obviously feeding the people, the the girls to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and George like takes a bite of stuff, and then like pulls out a bullet. Mm-hmm. But it's the casing. It's not a bullet. It's also the it's most. It's the casing. It's also the most identif- 
identifiable part. So as the audience, you understand what he's but trying how, to say. How did how did a casing <laughs> get inside a body? <laughs> I think that this was all conscious. I think you were not giving it enough credit. They that was a joke for you, Justin. Okay, so they take the cut up body parts, they sew them together into mm-hmm. a woman. Uh, they on. put some popsicle sticks on her arm. They do. But in the meantime here, they're dealing with Uncle Anwar, who is like ridiculing them. And like Uncle Anwar is not very appreciative of what these guys are trying to do for him. No. He should probably. He treats them like bumbling idiots. And guess what? They kind of are. They kind of are. But they're also doing everything that he asked for. Like, yeah. if you are laying in bed, this is guy, this guy is worse than being a quadriplegic. He doesn't even have quads to be plegic. Okay, he he's a brain in a jar and he's still shitting on them constantly. And I kind of love that relationship that the boss is a guy with a it isn't even a guy. It's just a brain in a jar. Yeah. And he is yelling at them Mm -hmm. Um, before they create the woman. There's a silent fight in the hallway. That you cannot hear anything. That's the end of that story. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. A silent fight in the hallway. There's, It's like the detectives are in the foreground. In the background, there's this huge fight going on just between like, it's in the, the, the police station and behind them. And the, because it's ADR'd, they didn't oh. bother ADRing anything else that was happening in the yeah. background. It's just the foreground that's ADR'd. My favorite scene is when he runs over the biker and there's no engine noise. There's no radio noise. Nothing like... Uh, George doesn't make any sounds because he expects them to like, you know, whatever sound he makes, it's not going to be louder than the radio or the thing, like as an actor. Mm-hmm. So he just doesn't make any sounds. And the only sound you hear is very loudly running over the biker. <laughs> and they do, they have to run him over like 12 times. <laughs> it's great. Um, but I think I have stuff in between where they actually make Sheetar is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, so things in between there is we are... Uh, they end up at a club. Right. So after they make Sheetar, now they have to make the blood buffet. Yes. So the first thing they need is two tramp stomachs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've skipped over this. Like the recipes are very specific. Like it's like, we haven't skipped over this. This is the first recipe. Uh, I don't think, I think they, he wanted like a, a, a tongue of a slut and stuff like that. He's like, give me, uh, a skanks butt. These he are needed, not actual he parts. Two, of he needed the liver and lungs from two sluts. Okay. Here's he needed my, the stomachs from two tramps. Here's my point: is that he definitely says like uh, he differentiates in part of his uh, uh, things that he wants. He wants this from a slut, this from a tramp. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to differentiate between those two. Um, unless he means a hobo. I think I thought that's what he meant, but then they it's go to not. a club and pick up. Some women. Yes. That's not what he To be fair, they look like they could have been homeless. (laughs) They're homeless sluts, and they were double downing on, like they had to find one that could have went in two Mm -hmm. categories. Chicken, cheese, chicken. Mm -hmm. Double down. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that meant. The KFC double down. The sandwich that the chicken, breaded chicken, fried chicken is the bun. I am proud that I don't know that. Oh, yeah. From the makers of the Famous Bowl. Wasn't that the bowl... 
it was just like it still all is. The sh- I the ate one like sh- three days ago. The random shit that they have at it's, KFC, they just sweep the floors and put it in a bowl. It's mashed potatoes, gravy, corn, popcorn, chicken, and cheese, and it's delicious. And just like you will wear a dirty T-shirt out in the bout, I don't care either. Hmm? Good for you. Thanks. I'm not. I'm not judging you on that fact. I'm just. <laughs> Okay. How are you judging me then? I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so they go to the club. And there are two guys outside the club. And they are the one, they try to get in and they're like, hey, you can't get in, you have to pay. And so his response is to grab the little guy, throw him into the street where his head gets run over by a yes, like a bouncing lowrider <laughs> and everybody thinks it's the funniest thing that they've ever seen they laugh and his other guy who has just seen his partner murdered goes all right go in have a good time <laughs> what mm-hmm. this is a hardcore club bro uh he literally says have fun inside <laughs> there's so this scene struck me not from the absurdity of that mm-hmm. but just from the filmmaking perspective that this is just a room with music playing. Yeah. And the budget was so low that the only people that have drinks are our cat are our main cast. Mm -hmm. Nobody else in the entire club. They're just dancing. Yeah. Nobody else has a drink. They don't even have a cup that's empty, which has become one of my things that I hate most in movies. Red solo cups. No, not necessarily red solo cups, but empty food or beverage containers. Like they'll be having empty coffee cups and you can tell when they sit them down or pick them up that they're empty and it will be a like it'll be CSI or something that should have a budget. Put fucking water in them. But the thing thing is, then they could spill it. A, B, they have to walk around and do this the whole time. So they want to make it as light as possible. I I get it. But the ultimate product is ruined. Right. They by just, the, fact, the, the actors just need to be better at miming. Um, and the sound people need to not make a hollow sound when they set it down. Make a sound like it's, it's so full of something. It's so frustrating, dude. Like, that's become my biggest pet peeve when I watch something. And, and it's that's not probably on me. But if, if I'm not that engrossed in the film that I'm paying attention to what they're holding, mm-hmm. then that's on them, too. Yeah. But that, I hate that. Like, I will watch your your shows that, that follow the format constantly. Uh, and that's what I feel like I see procedurals? the procedurals where they're mm. having an empty coffee. Like cup. they're my shows. They are. Okay. I like them. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. So they're in so the they, club. They, they pick up the two tramps, uh, take them back. Marianne is still watching the movie at this point. That's awesome. Which is great <laughs> because the best thing happens next. All right. Well, okay. The worst thing and then the best thing. Okay. So... Are we They're took Valentino. Have we seen Valentino yet? Who's Valentino? Valentino is no. The... We haven't seen. Okay. Is if he is who I think he is? No. I don't think we have. No. But he we shows are, up. We, like... are, we are about to. Okay. We're close. Okay. I think it's the next scene. Okay. So. Uh, they're in the diner, and then uh, Michael starts making out with his chick, and so George and his chick go in, into the back. So then. He's like, how about we, uh, how about I, I make you something or something? I don't know. He pulls out batter, raw batter. 
<laughs> and <laughs> covers her in it. And well, first off, he like she like dips her finger in it, and then licks uh, <laughs> like I was literally I almost puked. She just ate raw batter. It is so raw gross. batter. It is so gross. Like I almost puked. It's probably it was probably cake batter. That's fine. I don't care. The illusion of the movie is that this woman is eating raw batter. Like raw fry batter. Mm-hmm. So you've, then you've watched them eat humans. That's fine. This whole time. my stomach can <laughs> take that. That it, 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 it's weird, okay. <laughs> so then he just covers her in batter. My note says deep fried tramp. <laughs> <laughs> he covers her in batter and then sticks her head in the fryer. Uh, and yeah, you think, oh, well, she's dead now. No, she pops out and she has a hush puppy head. <laughs> hush puppies. It's just a giant round hush puppy head. <laughs> and she's running around the diner. <laughs> naked and afraid and with a hush puppy head. And he's like, well, I guess I got to do something. Let me get a broom. And just waits for her to come by and just <laughs> grips it and rips it. Hush puppy head. <laughs> and he hits the head and it goes flying into the room with George and his chick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't sure. think we've described Michael and George. We haven't. George uh, is special. He is. And I love every single choice the actor made with him. 100% of the choices the actor made, I'm fully on board with. Mm-hmm. The actor later went on to play Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. in probably something shitty, but that shows at least he has range. Sure. Did you see about the other actor? Uh-uh. The other actor was killed in an accident and like right after this movie. That sucks. Yeah, it was really sad. Like uh, He was in a band also, and it was obviously his IMDb profile is written by a family member. Mm-hmm. Because it basically, it says something like, uh, he was killed when his supposed friend decided to leave him at the scene of an accident or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously like there's emotion written in that thing. And it was yeah. just sad because obviously this is a goofy, dumbass movie. Yeah. But I don't think anybody did a bad job because they were in a goofy, dumbass movie, you know? Sure. Um, I don't know. It's just sad anytime you're watching something. Like I read that like right at the beginning of the movie. So it takes on a different way, even with something as dumb as Blood Diner, when mm-hmm. you're like, this is kind of this guy's legacy. Like, you know, better, I, I worse. Mean, yeah. No, there's a hundred percent worse things. You <laughs> and I aren't going to have a Blood Diner when we die. Sure. Um, so at least he has that. But it's just, I don't know. It takes a different weight when you realize, like, this person isn't with us when you're watching it. So, yeah. It's okay. We have a remake me. We do have a remake me. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be at least. 96 of these <laughs> plus specials yeah there's only one blood one blood diner yeah it's true so are you pooping on rick whatever his last name is grave is that what, what you're trying to do right now what hmm? anyway Graves? no his his name is rick something huh um it'll deal yeah. well with death you know what i don't like when you bring the podcast to a total halt? When I bring the podcast to a total halt to talk about death. Why do they call, like, your 40s and 50s midlife crisis? Because, like, the average age 
lifespan is like 75, right? Mm -hmm. So we should be having our midlife crisis right now. Not in 20 years. Well, it's like late 30s, early 40s would be midlife. But that's not what they reference. Like every time you see in a movie or something, they talk about midlife crisis. Yeah. They're in their 50s. That's not midlife. By 2050, the average lifespan will be 120, so it'll be fine. I don't think for either of us, bro. <laughs> Come on. We're, we're 100% at or past midlife. Let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> There's still time. I can lose this weight. <laughs> I will say, like, speaking of procedurals, house. Mm-hmm. Um there's an episode uh, about this uh, woman. She's in great shape, um, but he finds out that she used to be fat. And so the whole thing, this whole episode is uh, like once fat, always fat. Like you've always done that damage. Sure. So she's got a fat heart, you know, and turns out he was wrong. That's the whole point of the episode. But mm-hmm. like that thing has stuck with me the whole time. Like, fuck. Like, it doesn't matter if I change. It's still there. So why bother changing, right? Exactly. I'm waiting for nanobots that can eat away my cholesterol. Give me some more hush puppies. Yeah. Hush puppies (laughs) are delicious. (laughs) And you go to Long John Silver's and you get the little cracklins in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the best. I'm sure. By the way, when cracklins come up. uh, Those aren't cracklins, by the way. Cracklins is like fried pigskin. When they come up soon. Yeah. I had written that before this. For the record. Anyway, I'm sure I've told this story, but I think it bears repeating. When I was little, I didn't... No idea what the fuck you just said. I know. Okay. It will make sense someday. Continue. Okay. Um, I've told this story before, but I think it bears repeating. When I was young, I didn't eat hush puppies for years. We would go to Lodge Ed Silver's once every six months, maybe, when I was little. So there used to be one in town. And my mom told me that hush puppies were shark balls. So I stopped eating them and I didn't eat them for years. They're actually corn and onion deliciousness. I agree. And I know that now. But when you're told that at eight yeah. years old, you don't eat shark testicles. I know. I, love I didn't mom. eat them because they had onions in them. I love my mom. Like, I don't think I fully appreciated how hilarious that is <laughs> when I was that little. I don't think I fully appreciated being gaslit as a child <laughs> by the but, one who's supposed to teach me about the world. But, like, I feel like I You're can... the kind of person who's like, what if we had a baby and then, like, it's like we teach it totally normal stuff, but then when, like, we tell it red is blue and blue is red. <laughs> like... What would that... That would fuck with it so hard. It'd be when hilarious. I, when I think about those things, like, it legitimately makes me happy uh, to think, like, I feel like I would have wanna hung out with my 35-year-old mom. Yeah. Like, as a peer, I think I could have laughed with my parents. Mm-hmm. And I've said that a week or two ago. Like, that's kind of why I like the idea of this podcast, that my kids can hear me as a friend. You yeah. Know? And then they'll be like, that's why he's on the $6 <laughs> bill, because he solved racism, was because of this podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a little chubby face. Can we talk about Valentino now? Uh, Why do I not fucking hate Valentino? Okay. I should hate Valentino. You, right before Valentino, George cuts his date in half. Okay. Just with a machete. One cut. <laughs> one cut at an angle. And then cut to her cut straight down the middle. And to then she I hit the microphone. She just flops over. So excited you are. Yeah. yeah. 
I had to get the hand. I had to be ready. I had, you had to see me do the hand thing it where added, I did, where I made a, my two hands one <laughs> and then two again. It added a lot to the audio podcast. Yep. I talk with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, now we can get to Valentino. Okay, go ahead. Who is Valentino? And why I should hate Valentino? If you were to present Valentino as an idea for me, like, hey, we're maybe doing Remake Me the movie, mm-hmm. we need to have this character named Valentino. Mm-hmm. I would tell you how fucking dumb and horrible that is mm-hmm. and and like put my foot down <laughs> that we should not have Valentino in this movie. Who is Valentino? Valentino, in his introduction uh, to the movie, uh, 80% of the scene, you think that he's a real person. Mm-hmm. But he's very obviously just like uh like a dummy. He's not he's even worse than that. Like But then you're like, oh, that security guard was a dummy and he was a person. Mm-hmm. So this guy's just a person with a weird voice. Mm-hmm. But no, it turns not out at all. no. He's a hundred percent a dummy that the movie knows is a dummy. Mm-hmm. But no one acting in the film, none of the characters know is a dummy, and they treat him like a human being. Even when they have to touch him and they pick him up, he flops around like a dummy, but they think that he's a human being. And he's the only person like that. And he's being ventriloquized by the owner of the other diner. I did not realize that. Yeah. They cut back to him at some point, and he's speaking the lines. I didn't know that. Okay, that's why I think that's why you hate the concept of Valentino. He is 100%... No, I'm. I don't hate the concept. Well, I. I, I think should that's why you. The... I think that's why you have the concept in your head of who he is, mm-hmm. and you hate. You should. You feel like you should hate that, but he's not that at all. He like he's literally, uh, of the ventriloquist dummy, but like life size of the of the character. So in the movie, do they know he's not a real person? Um, I think that they humor the guy. I don't think so. Because doesn't he die by himself? Valentino is there at one point by himself. Uh, like when Va- Valentino as a character dies. Does Valentino die? Yes. How does Valentino die? Uh, something goes on and he's like yelling and screaming as he's getting thrown around. I don't remember that at all. I remember the the his guy getting his arms, his hands chopped off. But I don't remember him getting thrown around. Next episode, we're just rewatching Blood <laughs> Diner and going through the intricacies of it. I just watched it last night. I don't remember that at all. I might be wrong. I legitimately thought Valentino was his own human character in the movie. And I might just you be You think idiot. that like 80% Blood Diner, through the Blood scene. Blood Diner might be too smart for Russ. <laughs> and then they cut back to the guy <laughs> while Valentino's still talking. And he's like, mouthing. you can see his, his lips are moving. Okay, that's a question that I So the other characters might think he's a real person. Okay. I'm not certain because he only gets interacted with that one scene. Otherwise, he's in the back of the car um when like I love that he's like in the back of the car and the guy uh Valentino's like, "Don't do it, man. Don't." <laughs> he has a very high pitched voice. He's like, "Don't do it." <laughs> don't go in there you shouldn't go in there and he's like i'm i'm gonna go in there he's like no don't go in there man and then like he shuts the door and so he's like no don't go in there man don't, don't go in there. <laughs> he like and you know that character who is outside the car is throwing the voice for him and when he shut the car door made the voice muffled 
I got to rewatch Blood Diner. I'm not going to lie. It's great. Okay. I got to rewatch it. I thought that it was great for an entirely different reason. <laughs> we spent less time debating the nuances of the thing as we have Blood Diner. I yeah. want to point out. Like, yeah. This is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we've got. Actually, it's not, I don't have much to say about Ice Cream Man. Uh, okay. So we end up. They visit an archaeologist. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so after they cut the woman in half, right? Because they need they need guts. They need the stomach. Mm-hmm. So they're getting the stomachs from the two tramps. Um, they like cut up the body parts, and or maybe this is the sluts part. No, this is still this is still the tramps part. They cut up body parts. I love, you just differentiated between tra- tramps and because it's also. A very important because one <laughs> one you need the stomachs from and one you need the liver and lungs from so they to get rid of the body they cut it up and then someone finds a hand with i'm assuming george's necklace because at this point michael has given his necklace to the one teen to the one teenager in town who actually is played by a teenager yes uh so he's given her her necklace, and so there's this hand gripping the necklace. So I don't know if you're supposed to think that it's the teenage girl, but it's very obviously George's girl. And so the cops find, like, literally that is in a trash can, and somebody finds it. Cut, smash cut to we're in, like, a desert or something, yeah. and... Uh, not Valentino, Italian cop and black cop have taken the uh, necklace because they know this cheap, thin piece of uh, it's got his- gold-plated... Yeah. It's like, got historical weight. Yes. So they take it to an archaeologist, uh, and she describes this like blood feast orgy, So I've- and every one of her like PhD student helpers just gets a gigantic boner. Yes. I have a huge, huge question about archaeologists at this point. Go for it. Why is every archaeologist in every movie ever in such a fucking hurry? Because they got to get at them bones, son. It doesn't make any sense. They are all like, I don't have time to talk. I need to hurry up and uncover this thing that's been laying here for thousands upon thousands of years. Mm -hmm. If I don't get to it now, it might not be here tomorrow. Well, because nobody... Nobody cares about archaeology anymore, so they're all in like a huge rush because they're going to run out of funding literally any second. It's that's not just this movie, right? Like that's a stereotype. I feel that's, like you're right. Every that's movie, they're just like, I don't have time to talk. I need to f- dig this shit up. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's how movies portray scientists a lot. Of like, I'm so into my fucking science, I don't have time for you. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that's. Every archaeologist we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I want to see a passive... Except in Jurassic Park. He had time to terrorize that fucking kid. He had time to terrorize the kid? With the claw. It's nice here. But she and didn't. Here. The blonde... His wife didn't. His wife was like rushing and trying to get shit done. She's a paleobotanist. Who cares about her? <laughs> That's even more boring. <laughs> That's the most. That is somebody that's trying to like justify their job. We have nothing to learn from dead plants. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They make oil. Cars go vroom. Practical alchemy. I told. <laughs> I told somebody about that being uh, 
a band name and they were 100% on board. There might be a practical. I promise you a year from now, there will be a band out there named Practical Alchemy. And we're going to be in the line of notes. There you go. Even if I have to create that band. (laughs) (laughs) And release their CD yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So we've got Valentino, Deep Fried Tramp. Uh, Archaeologists are always in a hurry. Why? They've waited thousands of years. Uh, We haven't talked about little Jimmy Hitler. Right. That's my next question is, what the fuck is up with this movie's obsession with Hitler? I don't know. Uh, This movie... (laughs) Is directed, Why do I have to say that about a movie? This movie is directed by uh, a, a female, an Asian female woman. Okay. And is strangely obsessed with Hitler. Maybe she owns a stake in uh, Sea Monkeys? <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's all, this is Sea Monkey money, is what fed through this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it It is weird, right? And I feel like even wrestling is like uh unscrupulous as it is they haven't even had an have they has there been a nazi character has there been a nazi wwe character i don't think that there has no there's been like uh russian during like the cold war and yeah. stuff has there even been like an overt racist one define racist okay has there been one that they're... like the character is a racist or the character's existence is racist. No, no, no. The character is racist. Like, I know Hulk Hogan is a person, so he is racist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've heard that. I just mean, like, their character is racist or the existence of... Okay, let me give you a couple examples. I think I get what you're saying, but go, give, get, let's talk so this post, out. So, uh, post 9-11, a little bit after, they introduced a character named Muhammad Hassan. I think I know this, yeah. And um, he's a terrorist, basically, right? Basically, yeah. He's He's, like... Um, pro Middle East, pro Muslim, like kind of tiptoeing, and I feel like they did a real good job of tiptoeing until one night uh, when he fought uh, the Undertaker, and basically they had a bunch of guy, like a bunch of terrorists, come out and attack the Undertaker, and then uh, like carried him off like Jesus, carried off Muhammad Hassan like Jesus. Um. That was a bit much. <laughs> so, and unfortunately, like the wrestler himself, like he, he was real good at, at character work and he was a good wrestler and it cost him his career because he went along with something that was stupid. Was he at least genuinely Middle Eastern? Like, here, here's why I'm asking that is because they've been notorious like Yokozuna was not Japanese. So here's my fear. Now. My here's my fear is that they have Samoan dude playing somebody from Afghanistan or something. Um, I don't remember. Okay, because I feel like that's very important. I think De- I think his manager Davari was. Um, because I feel like that's very important. If they did just have a Samoan dude playing a Middle Eastern dude, <laughs> that makes it worse, right? He wasn't Samoan, and I want to say, I, I don't think he was just like Mexican or something. I don't think so. But that would be way worse, right? Like if it was a Mexican dude playing. Well, Mexicans play terrorists on TV all the time because they just happen to have the right color skin. I know, but 
so I, I simultaneously feel sorry for WWE too, because they constantly have to come up with, they've got what, three, four new shows every week. Yeah. So they've got 10 hours that they need to fill a week. Yeah. So like one bad decision in any of those hours mm-hmm. can live with them forever. And we can play Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it was still bad. It doesn't. But yes. then there's also the, I feel like a total typical heel like I'm going to go cut a promo and get some heel heat is to, you know, sometimes be a little racist. Yeah. Um, I mean that their shtick is white power. No. Like, there hasn't been like a clan member or something like that. Um, yeah. So I think that they, I'm not, I haven't followed them for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit at a time, like I'll read up, like I want to see who died or whatever. Yeah. I don't mean that funny. I just mean it like, Unfortunately, I want to yeah. see, see from my childhood who's still around yeah. or Rip what they're doing. Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Yeah. Um, I always liked him. He was, I was a heart foundation guy. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. so something uh, I did learn. Yeah. Like Fucking, the, okay. Can we just talk about it for a second? A heart foundation? What a shitty life. Okay. Like what? I feel like that's Hold the on. moment when I feel like it'd be better to just die rather than be alive. Go ahead. What? So the Hart Foundation, like in the late nineties, early two thousands, was Bret Hart mm-hmm. still alive? Mm-hmm. Uh, not doing well. You know, he got kicked in the head by Goldberg, and now he has seizures and stuff. Yep. Owen Hart, and he's on the uh, the Mighty Fang <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Owen Hart dead. British Bulldog, the most notorious death in all of wrestling history. Sure. Uh, um, British Bulldog dead, Brian Pillman dead, Jim the Anvil Neidhart dead. Like fuck, man, that was our childhoods. But Jim Neidhart at least died like a regular person, right? Like Brian, he died he, sooner than he should have because yeah, he was a wrestler. Correct, but it wasn't like the, the, he got a decade more than the rest of that group. Sure. Okay. Um. So that's what I mean, like. How shitty, like, what's it worse to be one of them that's knocked off early or to be the lone surviving dude that's standing there while the rest of his family is falling down? I mean, like you, I think you've skipped other brothers and parents and stuff too, which the parents at least were old, but other brothers and stuff of Bret Hart have died. I don't think so. I think so. I did my senior high school paper on the Hart family. Do you have any idea how long ago that was? That was so long ago. 16 years ago? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you just proved my point. There's a whole I'm, lot that can happen I'm, in between. I'm that. pretty sure Bruce was the oldest and he's still alive. That doesn't mean anything as we've just established with Brian Pillman and British okay. Bulldog. That's fine. You vamp. I'm going to look up the Hart family because there were eight brothers, I think. Don't know how the quantity. Um, so on that, I remember being in the third row at Raw and it was a recorded episode, but it was like the one where Bret Hart was like in the wheelchair and it was basically where he became a heel, and I was there, and it was pretty incredible. Hmm. Nice. Like, I don't remember chronologically what happened or whatever, but, it, uh, like, it was a Survivor Series where you actually did the switch or whatever, but, like, I was there, like, when the Hart Foundation The Survivor Series out. was when he got, ca- got kicked. Oh, uh, okay. Was it a WrestleMania then where he switched? Like, him and Steve Austin went back and forth? That was WrestleMania 13. Okay, so that's that, where it actually that is, happened. I think the most okay. Is this, is this a wrestling podcast now? Apparently, the I don't moment care. I just turned thirteen again, okay. and I'm excited. Okay, WrestleMania thirteen, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, 
with um, the UFC guy. Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock as the referee. I can talk about this. Okay. To me, that is the most pivotal moment in wrestling history. That is that is the moment when old school wrestling died and like the new era started. It's also where I kind of stopped watching. <laughs> so that is when uh, Bret Hart had uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Sharpshooter, and Bret Hart or Bret Hart Stone Cold like like is agonizing in pain he has blood streaming down his face between his teeth and the front yeah it's a great shot and then he passes out he never gives up he just passes out and to me that's that's the moment the most important moment in wrestling history so post that i was there when like the whole family came out and were like we're villains but i was still like i want to move to canada (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah, that was a big deal for like I'm really I have very very fond memories of that uh, night. Like my whole family used to because I dictated because I was loving wrestling at that time. I dictated that Monday nights we would stay up and we would watch it. So like my mom like had feelings about who she liked and who she didn't like and stuff. And my entire family like my parents had to have spent five hundred dollars or more, which probably doesn't sound like that much going to the third row of Raw now. But at the time, that was a big deal for my parents to decide they're going to spend $500 or whatever to go to Raw. And the person in front of us had these giant signs that said, hump his face gold dust. <laughs> and I was so pissed because I was like, easy, even as a 10-year-old or whatever, however old I was, 13, mm-hmm. I knew they were going to try to avoid those signs. Like, yeah. I'm probably, I'm surprised they didn't confiscate them. Yeah. Um, but all of our pictures that I had, cause we, t- I took disposable cameras. Mm-hmm. All of my pictures had the guy holding the sign in front <laughs> saying hump his face, gold dust. And here's the worst part. He spelled his name gold dust with two D's. And uh, I was like, that's not even how you spell gold dust name. But to be fair, right after WrestleMania 13, he was new. I think that that was his match with Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So yeah, he was new. Uh, that was one of, there was a, there was a solid, like speaking of homophobia. Yeah. <laughs> like that was his entire shtick that was his shtick he was gay and that was icky yes there was a year period where my parents let me or buy he wasn't gay he he was fluid yes and, th- and that meant he was icky. uh but there was a year period where we bought every pay-per-view that came out and i would record them and just rewatch them and rewatch them and rewatch them. i used to record raw and smackdown and rewatch them and rewatch them and rewatch them and then use the same tape he, and so he, they would like bleed together. Here's the biggest reason why I couldn't be a wrestling fan anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have fucking time. There's so much <laughs> fucking know. wrestling, dude. Now you have the WWE Network where you can watch all that old wrestling. I subscribed for three months, uh-huh. like three years ago. Yeah, so did I. And uh, there's too much. I think I enjoyed it, but I I don't have the time or the energy to do it. Yeah. Like I just watched like all the old WrestleManias. I paid like thirty dollars to watch all the old WrestleManias. That's worth it. That's, Not WrestleManias, that's... Uh, Royal Rumbles. Yes, dude, that's worth it. Yeah, <laughs> that's totally worth it. Uh, apparently, two other brothers have died. The so, oldest, real quick, does that mean Russ won that year. argument or Justin won that argument? Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, you were correct in that. Bret Hart has more dead the brothers. Victory of the deaths of the Hart family. <laughs> Smith Stewart, uh, the oldest, born in nineteen forty-eight, uh, died last year. And the one I should have remembered was Dean. Um, he was a wrestler and referee, and he died in 1990. I should have remembered Dean. Hmm. But I did not know that Smith Hart had passed away. Yeah. 
So that, that's like a legitimate question. Like, is it better to die or is it better to be the lone survivor? Like He's got like six more brothers. <sighs> He's dealt with a lot of shit. Yes. Like, yes. like his, that's you hear about like old people that they're like. He got fired from his job for being like too good, kind of basically. Sure. Uh, he, but, he, like, he, but like that's the thing you hear. Like old people are like, I've survived all of my friends and family. Let me fucking die already. Yeah. <laughs> like. Have you ever seen that documentary? Oh, it's wonderful. Walking with Shadows. It's so, so good. It's so lucky for those yes. filmmakers that they, they got They got a contract with WWE and it's like, hey, we, we want to do this film about Bret Hart, so we're going to like give us a cool one for like a year? What the hell is going to go on in a year? Who gives oh, a shit? Oh, you're going to sign the most unprecedented contract in history? Oh, they're going to renege on it? Six months later, they're going <laughs> to renege on it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Like, I made my wife watch the just the portion with the the montreal screw job because mm-hmm. even if you're not into wrestling it's fucking fascinating yeah like and then he just goes in the back and punches vince in the face welcome to remake wrestling with justin and russ <laughs> <laughs> what is this we still have a half of blood diner to talk about <laughs> okay so where are we at with blood diner so we went through archaeologists now they are trying to rebuild sheetar right so they've taken all these tramps and sluts and hookers and hoes and put all their pieces together. Well, no, the they're for the the hoes were for the blood buffet. They the people they murdered right off the bat immediately made shitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they're making the blood buffet. Uh, they need to feed it. Uh, so George goes off in the desert to kill. Uh, uh, the slut that he met at the diner because he knew they were going to be on the desert having sex. <laughs> and then she gets the better of him, but then like a stalactite I've falls never in her head. There. There's things that I'm embarrassed to admit because I know that I've known stalactite yeah. and stalagmite. And I know that there's a mnemonic that I at one point remembered. If I were to have to guess, I say stalactite is T top, for top. Yeah. And stalagmite is the bottom. I am not confident about that, however. Yeah, me either. Okay. Uh, yeah. So she does naked karate. Uh, complete with... Was the karate kid before or after this? Because I think she did the crane kick. I've never seen karate kid. Oh, me either. And but that t- I've that t- seen the crane kick over and over again. Yes. Because it shows up all the time. Uh, she basically did a naked crane kick. And then the slight tight goes in her head... <laughs> <laughs> and then she falls over dead, but she has to leave her knee up so that she like doesn't show the camera her vagina. Mm-hmm. I want to start an Instagram page or something of just like uh, absurd poses of bodies in films so that they don't show nudity. Mm-hmm. Like how contorted people have to be yeah. in order to not show nudity. One of my favorite Instagrams is called Subtle Dildo. And it's just pictures that look mundane. But then you realize that so there's, so there's a dildo on there in that shot somewhere. It, uh, like a legit one in the mm-hmm. background or something? Yeah. I like that. I've seen those before where like somebody takes a selfie and then there's a dildo away in the background. Is yeah. that th- that's I, all it is no, over and over? No. These are, pe- these are like three dudes or four dudes who like pose shots, compose shots that look really mundane, but somewhere there's a dildo. So it's a conscious thing. Yes. It's okay. not, hey, we trolled the internet and found okay. all these idiots who put selfies with that's what very I very obvious dildos. 
that's what I do enjoy though too. Yeah. Where it's just like this woman like getting ready for night on the town, and then there's a dildo sitting on the yeah the bedstand. Uh, I think my favorite is like a selfie pose in the bathroom, and then in the shower, there's one stuck to the wall. <laughs> I've seen that with like a turd floating in the toilet. Like the girl didn't flush and she's yeah. like ready for night on the town. Like looking all pretty and there's a turd floating in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he kills them and then uh, the cops are putting the people on gurneys, not paramedics. That would require hiring more actors. And they're doing no. It just requires different costumes. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> That's Touché. what it requires. It requires more uniforms. Yes. Uh, okay. So let's just skip to the end. They figured it out, right? Mm-hmm. Anything more significant you, other than him mooning her? The only two notes that I have that I'm trying to contextualize is biting Jimmy Hitler. Yeah, because they oh, have the wrestling he match. He Jimmy bites. Hitler. He bites. Why is him. biting not more prevalent in wrestling? It's illegal. That is, so is hitting people with a chair, but they do it fucking constantly. Yeah. Like, that should be... Ric Flair did it. Did he? Yeah. He would, like... Um, I Like, that was part of his dirty thing. So but I, I, think the pro- I think the problem with biting is it's really easy for it to go wrong. Because also, you're trying to do things in a safe manner. Well, but also, it doesn't... It isn't very visual. That's true. However, I still think... For one big thing, they should have a biting angle. Like, even if they do a blading thing, but with a bite. So they mm-hmm. bite and pretend that it, they blade and pretend it's a bite that caused it. Yeah. I don't think that's been done, right? Like, everything. We've just said that there's 10 hours a week that they have to do with wrestling. Mm-hmm. Couldn't they have a big angle where somebody wins because of biting and they blade or something with it? Sure. Do you? Okay, this is another opportunity. Do you want to hear the angle that I would always want to yes. write? Okay. New character, mm-hmm. you build up the hype really big, right? Okay. He's like a big monster dude, and he has a really talkative manager. Um, so you got Andre the Giant and Jimmy Hart. Sure. Uh, all right, and people are scared to get into the ring with him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so finally he gets in the ring, and his opponent is scared shitless. Uh that's when you realize, like, he has no idea what he's doing, right? And every single time, his manager comes in, hits him over the head. DQ, he wins. Right? Until he finally works his way up the ladder and uh, gets to a championship match. Hold on. So the guy's never won a match? He wins every match because his manager hits him. Okay. So the other guy gets DQ'd. So why would the guy be scared of him? He's never seen him Because fight. he's a huge fucking dude. Okay. Go ahead. Subverting expectations. Okay. Okay. This feels like a lot of commitment, and a lot of people would catch on very quickly to this scheme. Go ahead. But the rules say that you make your way up the ladder by wins. He's winning all of his matches, okay. right? So then the champion finally, uh, when he's like, Dude, he has the he has the most wins. He's on the best hot streak. He's your challenger. So the champion is like, I'm I'm smarter than you. I'm gonna make it a no DQ match. Can I ask you a wrestling question? Sure. That stands to reason that you would become the challenger of the title by winning more. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's 
ever been presented in any kind of that, a when it's, quantifiable when, when way. When it is good for the angle, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like, it's never been quantifiable, I don't think. Right. Like, looking back as a, it, when I thought wrestling was real and I was really a big fan. You obviously forget the European Championship. Uh, I don't feel like there was any justification for who was coming up to challenge these or people when matt hardy had like the era of the light heavyweight championship i i wasn't there for that uh literally i can probably go to like ha- six months past wrestlemania 15 like right after whatever the date was WrestleMania 17 is the best wrestlemania whatever i'm what, sad for you whenever wrestlemania or bret hart jumped ship a month seven a month after that is when i gave up oh so like you didn't make it to WrestleMania 14. No. So whatever those, I don't know those dates. Right. I definitely remember 13. So you didn't see, uh, you didn't see Mike Tyson, uh, knock out Shawn Michaels. I might've watched raw after that happened. Like there was definitely a time where I was like, parents, you don't need to spend $30 on this. I'll wait and see what happened tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then it faded away. Mm-hmm. But I definitely didn't see that happen. Uh, Yeah. But then the champion says it's it's no DQ, and that's when you realize this dude's a fucking monster, and he just destroys him, and mercilessly because it's no DQ, and he does the two super heel thing of like one two lift him up off the mat so that he can destroy him more, and he just destroys him and becomes a dominant champion, having only ever legitimately won one match. Right, but then he goes on and defends the belt and yeah, is sure. a monster. But that sounds fun. But you thought that this guy was like a little pansy. Yeah, he was just a, he was just a big pudding bear. That's what they should have done with Tiny Lister when he was Zeus. <laughs> okay, that's a weird deal, right? Like where they took. Do you know this whole story? Uh, no, I know Zeus. So Zeus was the the villain in No yeah. Holds Barred, mm-hmm. and he fought Hulk Hogan's character that I don't remember. Yeah. But then he showed up in wrestling as his character, but Hulk Hogan was playing his quote-unquote self in wrestling. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, he was Hulk Hogan playing his character. But this guy was supposed to really be his character from the this movie. This was WCW era, wasn't it? No, I don't think so. Was it WWE? Uh, super weird. And yeah. Tiny Lister was in Wishmaster 2. Mm. So, But they could have done that with him, right? Like, Because sure. he wasn't a wrestler. He didn't deserve to be in the wrestling ring. Yeah. No. Uh, Blood Diner. Yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> so, okay, biggest thing I want to say is I uh, wrote. I also wrote why Stan Satan was that another character? Stan Satan was that his wrestling name? Maybe. Oh, my note just oh, says why he, Stan Satan. Uh, that might have been his wrestling character's name. Okay, he did say. I think he said he was like the the spawn of Satan or. He said he traces his lineage all the way back to somebody. I don't know. Okay, remember. so it's probably that was his wrestling name was Stan Satan. So it was Stan Maybe. Satan versus little Jimmy Hitler. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So uh, Sheetar. Before we even get to Sheetar, here's the thing I want to say, because it's very important, right? The cops come in, uh, and she says, Lady Cop says, hey, uh, I'm going to go in there. And he's like, we need to wait for backup. She's like, I'm going to go in there. You call for backup and then follow me in. So he's like, okay. And she goes in there. And then he picks up a phone. He doesn't have a radio. But he acts like it's a radio. (laughs) 
but it's a phone. That's all. That's all I care about the rest of the movie. Uh, Sheetar is able to come to life through the blood feast mm-hmm. and everything. And she is a beautiful woman with from her her solar plexus down to her groin is a mouth. Solar plexus? It's like her sternum. Okay, sternum, sure. Uh, Solar places to... is like mid area. Okay, yeah, right here. It's a little lower, I feel. Uh, <laughs> from her chest down <laughs> is a giant mouth, and it yes. fucking noshes on people like the thing. Mm-hmm. Like a Venus flytrap. And it's great. Like, the practical effects are so much fun, and mm-hmm. then it just turns into a big dumb monster movie. Yeah. And it's Everybody so much turns fun. into zombies. Yes. Yeah. Go watch Blood Diner. It's worth... Isn't it fun? It's terrible, but it's great. It is horrible. Why do I have an affinity for this movie when I'll shit why, on somebody? Other? Why do I say that, okay, my favorite movies of all time are, depending on when you ask, either uh, Empire Strikes Back or Citizen Kane. I think those are two great choices. One is, you know, is like the nerd side of me and one is like the filmmaker side of me. If you ask what my next favorite movie behind, it's probably Basketball. I don't know why. <laughs> I could watch that movie 20 times a day for the rest of my life I and don't be remember happy. What mo- there's a movie. <sighs> I don't remember what it is. Or a TV show. I feel like I watch it a lot. And they like, oh, what's your favorite movie? And he's like, it's either Citizen Kane or Boondock Saints. Like. <laughs> like. Yeah. And that's and exactly. That was, us. That's, that was us. That was 100% us. Yeah. But it, it, that nails, nails, like, the pretentious 20-year-old attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the guy with his philosophical wonder wall. Yes. At parties. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Blood Diner other than go watch it? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that. Um, I have some other thoughts about, about Blood Diner. Okay. So this was almost part of a triple feature uh, because this is actually a sort of remake of a movie called Blood Feast by okay. Herschel Gordon Lewis. Have you ever heard that name? Can't say that I have. So Herschel Gordon Lewis is kind of like uh, the skeevy version of Lloyd Kaufman of Trauma. What does skeevy mean? Skeevy is uh, like you don't know where the money exactly comes from. I and it might skeevy. be a little. Is that what I said? You said skeevy. Skeevy, skeevy? Skeevy, skeevy. It's the same thing. Uh, it's not. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so we hit, uh, we do trainings at work where, like, um, somebody who has a lot of knowledge on a particular area will, like, teach a class for an hour or whatever about that thing. And today, like, the guy kept saying schedule, schedule, <laughs> schedule. And, like, the first two times I was like, oh, he says that, like, in the British way. That's a weird quirk. But unfortunately, he had to say the word 130 more times. <laughs> and every time it was the worst thing I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. So, anyway, so it's just, uh, it's a little dirtier version, right? Okay. Um, the it, earlier version? Dirtier version. No, the earlier version is dirty or Blood Diner is dirtier? No, the earlier version. Okay. Is dirtier. So you watch the movie. So originally my thought was we're going to have remake of, it's called Blood Feast, mm-hmm. is the first movie. Then you have Blood Diner is the remake. Okay. And that stands, well, this is a remake show. That's what we'll do. But there was no material because basically Blood Feast claim to fame was that it was, it was 
it would have played with Cannibal Holocaust in that it was like a gore show. Mm -hmm. But it was in the 60s where there wasn't, it didn't look great now. It didn't mean anything. But then it would have just been gore porn. Yeah. So it wouldn't have really, all we would have said was this is gore porn. That's all you and I would have said. Mm -hmm. And then there's Blood Diner. So it's the same concept. Blood Feast is, it's called, uh, uh, it's not Sheetar, it's uh, Sheetar. It's Titar or Pipar, Gigar. That might be racist what you're saying right now. Ishtar. Okay, Ishtar. Ishtar is a real person. It's Ishtar. But, or not a real person, but a real god. So it's Ishtar is who they're sacrificing things to, and somebody's trying to kill and get body parts. But it's just a gore movie. Is or all is it just that a real god? You know what I mean. <laughs> I know In what the you literary mean. sense. I know what you mean. Um, and I didn't bother watching the like 2016 or 2017 remake called Blood Feast also, mm-hmm. um, because my assumption is that it's Gore porn, gore, but better. It, it's a gore porn, but better More made, effects, which yeah. means less likely for mm-hmm. me to want to watch it at all. Yeah. Um, which means it's a better remake, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that it's a better movie that I want to watch. Yeah. So I was like, Blood Diner feels like exactly that middle mark where it's trying to be slightly gratuitous, but dumb. Yeah. And we're going to have fun with it. So you chose wisely. Yes. I feel like, I feel like this is right down the, the strike zone of what you and I do. Cool. Um, how about a bridge? Ticket to the bridge. Uh, I'm six or seven episodes into house ha- haunting of house. I have finished house. it. Um, so haunting here's of the Hill thing. house haunting of Hill house. So six or seven episodes in, I am not understand why everybody is freaking out about how scary it is. It's not scary. It's I tense. Feel, it's I think it's tense. very tense. I feel like it is a better family drama uh-huh. than it is a horror show. Yeah, it's a family drama in the horror genre. Yes, but here's the thing. So, I, I'm always. I'm always amazed when I see other people's Facebook feeds because it mm-hmm. always looks totally different than mine. Like you feel like your <laughs> Facebook is the Facebook. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So my Facebook feed is all of everybody talking about Hill House. Like this is so scary. Look at all these ghosts that are hidden in Hill House. So I'm expecting this fucking scary thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I'm getting. Yeah. It's well done. Like I just finished the episode where almost the entire thing is a that's episode six. Oh, wait. In what? Is a wonner? Oh yeah, I thought you said is in water, and I was like, what? No, 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 it's a wonner. Yeah, almost the whole thing, but you know, there's yeah. hidden, there's hidden cuts in there, but still, it gives. They're the not imp- very hidden. It's like it's like a fifteen, an actual fifteen minute shot. There's a you know, behind the scenes on YouTube. Yeah, it's like three minutes long. Yep, where they talk about that, and they show like the rigging and stuff. Like literally, cameraman backs onto like this rickety elevator and then it comes down and then he has to walk off and everything so from a filmmaking and drama perspective i Uh find this show fascinating yeah from a horror perspective i'm like it's fine so i'm disappointed in that front because like you were telling me that that your girlfriend was like literally screaming at some point yeah she it was it was a jump scare yeah but that's all that I feel like I'm seeing the entire time is a thousand jump scares. I don't feel like there were jump scares at all. There's jump scares fucking constantly. Are you crazy? The right first now? episode I feel like did a couple of false jump scares, but I don't think there are jump scares at all except for the the one that happens later. I don't think there are jump scares at all. Like you... I, it's very it's very tense, and they relieve tension with a jump scare. No, but with creepy, with like. It's not like a jump scare. I feel like a jump scare is like 
they do the full on sting and everything and like okay uh it's so, like something so jumping at you maybe we're different but this is this is more just like you know this you is, move over and there's a thing there that okay I agree with that. To me, a jump scare, I I'm feel like... I'm calling that a jump scare. I I'm calling like, that... Yeah. You're, they're surprising you with something that's not supposed to be there. Right. Which is a jump scare to me. But to me, a jump scare involves like... Okay, let's not movement. call it a jump scare. Sure. We'll call it a surprise scare. <laughs> yeah, I don't. but I don't think it's meant to be that. I think it's meant to be like, fuck, and it's like the relief of tension and then immediate buildup of tension again because it's like this moment is so tense and it builds up to this moment. And then you're like, you like do a tiny little jump in mm-hmm. your chest and then like it relieves that bit of tension. But then like, holy fuck, now this character has to deal with this yeah. really creepy thing. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying this is my fault for setting the expectations sure. this high. This is my fault because everybody's talked it up so much. Have you so ever much. seen the movie Balls of Fury? Yes. And we have talked about this many times. Please do not let me dissuade you from that talking about that. Okay. Balls of Fury... Uh, I love. Here's why I love it. I went to. This is a judgment free zone. Yeah. Because in normal life, Uh I would be laughing hysterically (laughs) at the fact of that. But because we're talking philosophically right now about the reasons behind you loving Balls of Fury, Mm -hmm. I'll allow it. Uh, Balls of Fury is not a good movie. Uh, it's it's got some some good performances i will say but it's not a great movie uh I'm, here's he, why here's why i love it here's why i'm wrong i've never seen it i am wrong it could be a masterpiece but you said you have seen it no i could be wrong because it could be a masterpiece but i'm being judgmental okay and not giving it then a chance th- then this is perfect okay uh balls of fury is a great movie i love it but here's the reason i love it is because i went to the theater friends were like let's go see this and i was like this is going to be a piece of garbage but i'm hanging out with some friends i have i not only have zero expectations i have like negative expectations and guess what going in looking for reasons to hate it sure maybe not that negative but like definitely empty with expectations and guess what it surpassed that and in that in my mind that made for a great experience (laughs) yeah but I can't recommend the movie because the moment I recommend the movie, you already have too many expectations. <laughs> if I say, go see Balls of Fury, I've already failed. Because mm-hmm. you're going to go see Balls of Fury, even if that's all I said, you're going to mm-hmm. go see it, and you're going to be disappointed. Sure. So it's, it's, it is a paradoxical movie for me because I can only recommend you see it with my, <laughs> my exact scenario. And if I recommend it, you cannot have that scenario. <laughs> That's good. It's a catch-22 of movie recommendations. I really enjoy watching it because I've been a fan of Mike Flanagan for a while, the mm-hmm. director. Um, like this tiny, no-budget movie that he did that I really liked. Uh, he did another movie which I didn't care for but got a lot of traction. So I was happy for him even though I didn't like the movie. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a movie called Absentia. And then we're talking about a movie called Oculus. Okay. Absentia I really liked. No-budget movie, Oculus. You want to you bring this around? Do you know who produced Oculus? Jason Blum. WWE. It's a WWE film. It's also Jason Blum. It's a Blumhouse movie. That's fine. It's a WWE film. Sure. Oculus. Starring Amy Pond from Doctor Who. All my nerderies. <laughs> uh, and then he did Gerald's Game, which is a... Who's now in the MCU Marvel Universe. Totally unfilmable Stephen King movie okay. that he made filmable and really good. Um, and then he did The Haunting of Hill House, and now he's going to be doing... Uh, Fuck, it's some big movie for them. 
that I lost. But he's become Netflix's darling at this cool. point. So here's what I want Netflix to tell him is hey, here's ten episodes. Go do a thing. Don't do Haunting on Hill House season two. Go do a thing. Go it's do not, anything. It's something that you would be more impressed That's with. That's fine. I, but if he's gonna do another se- I don't want a season two. He did say that, you know, regardless of what happens, the Crane family story is done. Yeah. Like he's not gonna bother them anymore. Um but yeah, I it's I, I it it wraps up so nicely that to I feel like it's one of those things that if you do a season two it does it it takes away from why did they not get the same actor to play the dad but just age him? I don't know. I like they that both, choice though. They both do a good job. Yeah. I have no complaints about it. But But it's been like what, thirty years, something yeah. like that? But why could they not throw some aging stuff on him because it was easier to just hire another actor and that way you could film two things simultaneously right sure i need you to vamp i look for the whatever this is okay uh so yeah i don't think it's full of jump scares i totally recommend it uh and yeah season okay i want to talk about the kid actors because you mentioned the one shots like dr sleep so it's it's stephen king's sequel to the shining Doctor okay. Sleep, go ahead. Um, I don't think the kid with glasses is good. I, he's one of my favorites. He's the worst. I think he's great. I, I think him. I just spilled drink. As a child actor, you little boy with glasses did better than I could ever think to do, and I apologize for saying this. I feel like you were the worst of that group. See, he's probably my favorite. What? Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, like. You're talking about these one shots. They're like 15 minute long, single take. Yeah. That they practiced for weeks to do. Yes. Kudos to everyone. But then like 12 minutes into a 15 minute shot, you have a one shot on like a six year old girl and she has to act for 45 seconds. And if she fucks up, you've just ruined this big, long Mm -hmm. 12 minute into 15 minutes. That's incredible. And the fact that they trusted those actors, those little kids, to do that, I think it shows how good that they really were. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. And little Coke bottle glasses, my favorite. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I had a friend who said that the one thing that took him out of it is, uh, how does that kid, like, what happened to his glasses? (laughs) <laughs> like is he wearing contacts why would rehab the whole time? Out, why would that take you out of I it? I don't know. I don't think it does either. It's definitely something you notice, like, oh, at some point along the lines he has contacts or he got LASIK. Yeah. That thought needs to happen one time mm-hmm. and then it's gone. Yeah. I think he's great. That actor is great. Yeah. But I also think he was probably given the most to work with because like you've got the biggest difference between, so your expectations are the lowest. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to finishing it on my own. I just wish I would have discovered it on my own instead of having the hype machine have brought it up. Yeah. Which isn't the show's fault at all. And I'm stoked for my Netflix Flanagan. recommended it to me on my phone before yeah. but Ryan watched it. Yeah. But that's also Netflix recommending their own shit. Of course, they're going to recommend their own shit. Yeah. It is, I don't understand the economics of Netflix, but I'm glad that it exists, that they're creating their own stuff that has nothing to do with anything other than if people will watch it right i mean what you realize if you create content and you can get people to pay for it 
then you make money. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. I love that there's nothing else to do with it. They don't give a shit that there's nobody. Mike Flanagan isn't is nobody but creative. He does a good job. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the show is anybody that anybody's going to watch because they're in that show. Yeah. It's just because it's good is why they're watching it. Sure. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. As opposed to now, which you get a piece of shit, but get the right person to star in it, and it'll open wide. That's why you need to watch the Marvel movies, because they give creative control to their writers and directors and make great movies. Okay. But then they also... But then... Right, but the it, the fact that it is that person, you or I could direct that, and people would still go see it because it is the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, exactly, and that's why it's even cooler, because you know, they could have just had anybody direct Thor three, and it would have made money, but they got fucking Taika Waititi to come in and make this crazy, crazy movie that came completely out of the left field for the third Thor movie. And guess what? It's my favorite MCU movie. You just Spoilers. said you just said they could get anybody in the world to come direct it, and it would make a ton of money. But instead, they got Taiko Wakiti. Watiti. You just you just <laughs> they chose they chose a like a small time director to tell a great story instead of just having here writers write here directors direct. We'll fart it out and make a ton of movie. Sure. A ton of money on our movie. Yeah. I'm saying that's what they could have done. Instead, they got, they collaborate with um, interesting writers and directors. Mm-hmm. Like the Russo brothers. Like, the Russo brothers went from doing, like, writing Arrested Development to taking on uh, Captain America and now the Avengers. Like, Yeah, but he's super controversial as a wrestling guy. Vince Russo. <laughs> You're welcome. I gave you that insider. Drink more alcohol joke. so you can say less words. Oh, come on. That was funny. Fewer words. That was <laughs> uh, Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man. Synopsis. Clint Howard is an ice cream man and he kills people. This is overall thoughts. <laughs> uh, it's not good. <laughs> It's not good, but it's fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. What are you talking about? I did not find it fun. What are you talking about? You're insane. I also have found that I have no notes, apparently, for Ice Cream Man. <laughs> so this is Russ winging it right now. Do you want to take my notes? <laughs> I should read your notes. Um, go ahead. Start us off. Read my notes for Ice Cream Man. Uh, all right. Ice Cream Man. Lee Majors the second? Yeah. What's going That's on just a that? random credit. Fucking Lee Majors. You know who Lee Majors was, right? Mm-hmm. Six million dollar man. This is Lee, this is his son, apparently. Mm-hmm. Read the next one. Uh, I thought this was going to be fun, but it's boring as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little boring, but there's a deg- <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's all boring. Let me read the rest of yours. Stigmata, J. Michael, Vincent, don't give a fuck. It, the check cash. It was porn money, bro. Dude, but that scene. Okay, I want to talk about that scene. Keep reading. Uh, it was slow motion, but no money shot. People using severed heads as puppets is the theme. Names on credits are on the wrong side. Exclamation yep. mark. Okay. So the theme for the night was people using heads on puppets. Okay. George uses a head as a puppet uh, when they kill all the aerobic girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clint Howard uses them for like five minutes at the end of the movie. And it's the one of the few bright, shining pieces. Okay. 
So Clint Howard is an ice cream man who kills people. Yes. He he watched uh, someone gun down his idol. Yes. Randomly. Who was, who was an the ice cream, cream king. <laughs> the ice cream king. Mm-hmm. Not even the ice cream man. Yeah. The ice cream king. The one the one of the few things I enjoyed about this movie is that he took the ice cream man's truck and like um, his establishment and everything and he changed it to the ice cream prince. I, I enjoyed that. Yes. That little detail. Uh, yeah, Jan Michael Vincent is, Vincent is in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay, so there are kids, and uh, Marianne came in randomly during one scene where the ice cream man is chasing tuna around a grocery store. I want to let you know the <laughs> that's the, a, that's a sentence I just said. The image that you portrayed of your girlfriend is like a lost puppy just like wandering <laughs> through the home, <laughs> like. Like every episode, there's like she wandered through the house at the scene and then got distracted and wandered away. Like I, I envision her just being lost, like with a backpack and things like throughout your house. She's like, like she is like, I'm going to do the girlfriend thing and watch these piles of garbage with you. I'm going to make an attempt and then I'm going to give up. Let uh-huh. me know when your next one starts. I'll make it another attempt. No, not even that. It's just I'm done for the night. And then she goes into the office. Uh See that's the difference between watch a, Netflix. That's the difference between a wife and a girlfriend. Is my wife gave up long ago on trying to watch this shit sure. with me. Uh, but then like, uh, I don't know, something will happen on whatever show she's watching, or the cats will do something fun, yeah. and she's gonna come in and tell me. Sure, about yeah, it. it's gonna be and time to to refill a drink or get a snack or whatever. I get it. And there's gonna be but, something on the TV. But I love that every time, every episode, there's like this this wandering marianne that comes like walking by Mm -hmm. and decides that she's gonna have something to say about some point yep okay so she wanders in when the ice cream man is chasing tuna through a grocery store yeah (laughs) you're halfway through the movie already by Uh, the way because i don't care (laughs) do you care about the first half of this movie i don't even care about the second half of this movie (laughs) do you have anything you want to say before i feel like we need to set the scene here which is clint howard who who other than his visual the most noticeable thing about him is, is he's got a, Howard? he's Clint, which again is his visual but he's got this high-pitched weird squeaky ass voice so when you cast clint howard what do you do you say i need you to have a deep gravelly voice <laughs> which is re- just the dumbest thing that i've ever heard so he would prepare to this movie by driving to set every day by screaming so he had this low <laughs> gravelly voice with the most offsetting thing of other than his visual which is a weird fucking dude like how much money did they save by casting him instead of somebody else so they didn't have to do any makeup who was that weird baby from that one star trek episode let's get him yes exactly he's a weird fucking dude he's got this high-pitched voice which is perfect for being a weird fucking dude which Mm -hmm. is what he's playing as a weird fucking dude instead i sure do like them french fried potatoes why why would they do that? He goes full of Billy Bob. And um, the answer is this because they'd never made a movie before. This director, <laughs> this production company, did you look at this at all? Nope. They've only Didn't ever care enough. They've only ever made porn. This was <laughs> this was a porn company, a porn director that was like, let's get in on this horror movie craze. Then my money shot thing is actually funnier than I thought it yes. was. Yes. So they were like There's money to be made. In this low-budget horror movie field, Mm -hmm. let's make this movie about an ice cream man. And 
I have the what's now retails, not retails, what's now for sale in the secondary market for about a hundred bucks. I've got the Blu-ray for this movie. <laughs> That's not a joke. Are there like cool special features? There's some very cool special features. One of which is an interview with the director where he talks about the fact that like they failed to think about what the audience was for this movie at all because they made this movie, which is about him killing people, but it's sort of dumb and about like a childish thing, but you can't show children this movie. They yeah. forgot to have an audience so for this movie. that's why there's like very little gore, but yet there's like the people having sex? Yes, because they didn't think at all who they were making this movie for. I did find be- that weird. Because they've never made a real movie. Like, as, <laughs> this is as close. This is not a real movie, for the record. Mm. However, this is as close to a real movie that these people ever made because they were used to making porn. So this was their chance Ugh. to go legit, but they failed to figure out what was going to be their market because he said... Like Clint Howard came in and they knew Clint Howard was who they wanted. Yeah. And Clint Howard was like, are we going to kill kids in this movie? And they were like, no, we're not going to kill kids because we want to market this to kids. But then they made a movie. You can't market to kids. Like it didn't make any sense. Like he was like very, it was a super, super cool interview. And the guy was very honest. Like we fucked this up. We had a subplot about, the brother trying to get back film that he had yes. taken shots of him and his girlfriend <laughs> having sex. And he, he said like, we would watch cause there's like the, in this, in the second act, like Clint Howard, like is alone with this one boy. And he was saying like, there were scenes that were like this almost, he never said the word molester or anything, mm-hmm. but he said like, there were scenes that felt, off is what he he would say off and like put his hands up. I like think this. the fact that uh, he is more childlike, the Clint Howard's character, mm-hmm. uh, saved him in that regard. It did, but that was also through the edit because the way that the director was describing it, there were scenes that were like fucking creepy, and he was like, "We didn't feel comfortable with this shit." <laughs> All right then, putting it on film, like he's like, "We made a movie to which there's no audience." Like he was like, "The only audience we have now is somebody that's like." this is a bad movie. Let's have fun with it. But that's a bad business decision to make when you're trying to get into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, so it's a very honest and very open interview about that. And it's, it's, it's really cool that somebody's that open. Like yeah. we tried this, we failed, but the failure that we made is a whole lot of fun. I don't know what your question was that you started prompting me to talk about that stuff. I, my question was, is there anything else you want to say about the first half of this movie? <sighs> tuna okay this is the biggest thing that i have about this movie okay tuna is the stereotypical fat kid based off all of the dialogue off the screenplay correct i think you're about to go into my marianne story go ahead with the marianne story first which that's all she saw you know the scene where he chased him through the grocery store and she says why does that kid have a pillow in a sweater and i was like what he doesn't have a pillow in a sweater what and then at the very end of the movie they like, it's like three months later. They don't say it, but obviously like school's starting. So it's after the summer and they like poke his belly and say like, good job. Because <laughs> he's like lost the weight. And he's like, ah, thanks. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Because they make one, they make like one or two fat kid jokes. Like, and I'm just like, what? Why? He's not the, 
No. He's not a fat you were kid. You're 100% wrong. They make fat kid jokes throughout this entire fucking movie. Really? They I must have ignored them. They constantly, constantly call him the fat kid. And like the older brother that's also a cop that has his sex pictures being filmed and stuff. He's a cop wannabe. He calls him like the fat kid. Like everybody calls him the fat kid. Clint Howard references him as the fat kid, like keeping him in business from getting this. Throughout the entire film, they call him the fat kid. Hmm. When I met Clint Howard at Horror Hound, I talked to him about this movie. I was like, what the fuck is going on with with Ice Cream Man? Could they not find an actual <laughs> fat kid to play him and they just stuck a pillow under him? What was going on? Believe me, I was a fat kid in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They were out there. I was one of them. Could they not find? And he would like, we laughed and we talked about the fact that they just couldn't find a kid who was fat to play the, that was good enough to play the role. So they Dude, we liter- did porn. We can only approach so many kids. They, none of the ones we did were fat. They so legitimately, they legitimately had a pillow in tunas. <laughs> this was not a fat child. I believe I just me. thought he was wearing like big, no Cosby sweaters from the man himself, from Clint Howard. When I talked to him, <laughs> he had legitimately had a pillow stuck in his coat, in his, in his clothing. Okay. Like a bad mall Santa. So this kid, so we get the full visual, mm-hmm. is an average, good-looking 12-year-old kid. The fact that you put good-looking in there is a little weird. Come on. Let's not be immature. Let's be serious. I'm not trying to be immature. I'm trying okay. to say that that was weird. Okay. He's an average, what you would quantify if you were a 12-year-old so white? girl. You mean white? <laughs> he's a good-looking kid, so he's white? No. What? <laughs> Yes, but no. Uh, And he legit has a pillow stuffed in his stomach Mm -hmm. because they couldn't find a fat kid to play a fat kid. It doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb. Yeah. I wish I had my notes for this because I know (laughs) that I do have more. And I feel like we're disparaging Ice Cream Man by leaving it only up to your notes. It's boring. It's fucking boring. Oh, I think you're, you're not giving it a fair shake here. Um, we have scenes in which the ice cream man is flashing back to his days of being raised in an insane asylum Mm -hmm. because he witnessed the death of the ice cream king. This is epic material. (laughs) He witnesses the death of the ice cream king and immediately goes like completely mentally ill. We don't see him as a normal kid. We presume he's a normal kid because the mom was like, you're not acting normal for this five seconds before it fades out. Uh, and the fact that he wound up in a mental institution. But yeah. He like. Uh, I've forgotten yeah, the name of the talking. movie. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Just going to make a reference. Um. But J. Michael Vincent is in this. He is in this. Mr. Airwolf himself. I don't know the Airwolf reference. There was a show called Airwolf about a helicopter, and he was the star. I think there was a video game called that, wasn't there? Uh, maybe. It was probably based on the TV show called Airwolf. The video game was There's called a vast Airwolf, pot. and it had a helicopter in it. Okay. <laughs> that was probably it. <laughs> there was also a video game called Top Gun that had jets in it. That was a was horrible one of those game. Frustrating games of all time. It was fucking terrible. I remember staying the night in fifth grade at a friend's house. It was on my little league team, mm-hmm. trying to play Top Gun, 
and then being on his top bunk crying and wanting to call home to go home, but deciding to muscle it out. Did you ever land the first plane? No, nobody's fucking ever landed that first plane. Apparently, once you get past that, the game's pretty easy. It's just the most difficult fucking game for the first ten minutes. I'm so spoiled now. I spent the evening playing like Super Mario 3. I have mm-hmm. a... This is hypocritical. Okay. Very much talk about being against piracy, and I've never pirated a movie or a anything, but I have a Raspberry Pi that has all of the preloaded games on there. Do you own that game? No. Okay. There's literally thousands of games on there that I do not own. Okay. Um. Anyway, so you're, I'm a hypocrite. You're teaching your children bad lessons. I'm a hypocrite. I'm. I'm. I agree with. I, I'm not disparaging that, and this is wrong. I'm well aware that that this is wrong. Okay. I feel like all of those games are way their their history, and they have made their money off of them, and they are gone. I am well they aware. Still sell them. I was going to say I am well aware that somebody still owns them, and I am saying this is wrong. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but feel. It doesn't mean I don't think. I feel like they've made their money off of them. Okay. So like anyway. Citizen Kane. Uh, yes. So if you want to pirate Citizen Kane, apparently, according to this logic, it's okay. It's not okay. I'm wrong. <laughs> like I'm saying I'm wrong. Super Mario 3 came out like 30 years ago. It's I, I'm not that long. I'm saying I'm wrong. Okay. I'm saying I'm wrong. That Basically, it just comes down to what's the cost benefit to me. And the benefit oh, is yeah. I get... Like what, when you would ask, when we were going to Taco Bell and you would ask for a cup for water and get soda. <laughs> I haven't done that in years. Your, your cheapskate outweighs your morality sometimes. I haven't done that in years. Anyway, so my son and I were playing Super Mario 3 and Sonic and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know why we're talking about this now. <laughs> <laughs> Best payoff ever. <laughs> why did we start talking about this? I started talking about me playing Super Mario. <laughs> Because we played the Top Gun video playing game. Playing Mario. Yes, the Top Gun video game. And I'm playing these, and they're so disposable now. Like, I'm playing for, like, like we played NG- NBA Jam for, like, four minutes, maybe. And he was like, Dad, this game kind of sucks. And I'm like, no, this game is great. This game was great. However, great. However, when I have a literally another 2,000 options presented mm-hmm. in front of me, I do not want to want to commit to trying to figure out the intricacies of this gameplay and i want to move on to the next thing that i'm going to play everything for three minutes and then move on to the next thing you have hit on exactly why i can never stick to video games first video game console i ever had was a sega master system and i had like four or five games total for it right um but then uh a guy at my mom's work was selling his nes uh, and for $400, she got Nintendo Entertainment System, over 100 games, like two light guns, two power pads, not a, everything like, but the power glove, that's basically. That's like $1,000 in 1990 money, dude. Dude, that's more than $1,000. That's a, that, that's a huge, mm-hmm. huge library for 19. 19- yeah. 90 i'm making up this year but so like that was my you know i had the master system in my room but that was like the first major like oh my god i had too many games yes i had the legend of zelda that game is amazing i've never played more than 10 minutes of it at a time because i go oh 
I have no idea what I'm doing now, so fuck this game. I'm going to play Mario Golf or something. Yes. Or just golf. Meanwhile, the best thing that I had was that I had a half a dozen games, mm-hmm. and we would rent a game. I would, And I was fucking committed to that game for the entire weekend, so I had I, to figure that shit out. I feel like if I'd had that experience, I would be a better gamer today. But instead, like, I just got, um, I pre-ordered uh, Spider-Man for the PS4. That game is fucking amazing. I've played it for three hours in one sitting, and I haven't touched it again. Like, that game came out a month ago. I played it, like, the week it came out, and that's it. Uh not the same thing but totally the same thing i feel the same way about like books that i haven't read that i have sitting on my shelf because i have a library at my disposal Mm -hmm. and i have a hundred uh books that i've bought and downloaded in my kindle queue Mm -hmm. and the hundred books sitting in my library at home like the moment that like there's a soft spot in the book i'm ready to jump onto the next thing which isn't fair to that book because i need to give it the chance I think this is just representative of the time that we live in. Like people are so quick to to give up on a movie or a show. Sure, um, but that was like 1990 for me. 1988, yeah. Because but but most people didn't have that library yeah, to choose I, I from. Was, you were the I, exception. Like, I think more people had the experience that I did, where you had four games, yeah. and then you had the the game that you rented for the weekend that you were committed to. I had such an awesome childhood uh, that everything like everyone has like the thing they were mad about like. Why didn't you do this, mom and dad? Blah, 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 like that. Like, the biggest complaints I have from my childhood is like, uh, you you did too good of a job. You like you got me too many video games. You got me too many video games. <laughs> uh, you made sure an education was important, and so I never had to work. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. It sucks to be you. Yeah. Ice Cream Man. Uh, can we talk about the Jan Michael Vincent scene? Do it. So uh, they go to the mental mental institution where uh, George, Georgie, Gregory. Okay. Gregory. I think it's Gregory. Georgery. Georgery. Where Georgery uh, was kept. And they meet with the guy there. And uh, he all of a sudden is like called upstairs. He has to go upstairs. So they follow him for some reason. And then they get upstairs and it's just utter fucking chaos. Uh, turns out the doctor is completely crazy and, uh, all of his patients are like mentally ill zombies coming after them now. This is where the phrase, the inmates run the asylum came from. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and so actor who's trying because this was a good gig for him Mm -hmm. is like running and like punching zombies and like kicking down doors and has a gun he's like firing and shit and like doing all this action stuff fucking jan michael vincent is walking at a leisurely pace (laughs) and all the extras behind him don't know what to do and so they like touch him and he's like don't you fucking touch me i'm not getting paid to have you touch me and just walking at a leisurely pace through the asylum the other guy cut to the other guy he's like action dude punch a punch a mentally ill person and then get away <laughs> call for backup and then jane michael vincent just fucking like pumps eight shots into the horde and then just keeps leisurely walking towards the car <laughs> what you just remind me of he never breaks a sweat he never breaks his methodic pace he, as this horde is behind him he ensured that he met his contractual agreement mm-hmm. yes um what this reminded me of there's like it's 
it's in an interview or it's in a, the commentary for Rob Zombie uh, Halloween. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about Danny Trejo in his movie for Halloween or Devil's Rejects. I don't remember which one. But he's saying, so I met with Danny Trejo and he was like, hey, just so you know, Rob, sometimes I show up to set and I give my C game or my D game because I don't really give a shit and I'm just here for the paycheck. But I really like your movie. So I'm going to bring you my A game. <laughs> like, like he was respected Danny Trejo that he was honest yeah. about the fact that like sometimes he knows that this movie is shit. So he doesn't bring what he's trying to do. Because yeah. Danny Trejo is one of those like Nick Cage actors where yes. he's like in a thing and you're like, oh, he was really good in that. And then he's in like 12 more things. You're like, why the fuck is he in those things? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he was like. Rob Zombie was like, I didn't even know that was a possibility for him to bring his C game. Like, I probably wouldn't have cast him if I know he was there. There was that option for him bringing his C game. So, it was, so Rob Zombie's ver, uh, version of the story is like, I'm really happy he brought his A game because that's what I bought. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that's what you're reminding me of with your Jane Michael Vincent thing is we're like, this dude showed up with his D game. <laughs> And when you're Jan Michael Vincent bringing mm-hmm. your D game, that shows how shitty of a movie this is. Hey, John Michael Vincent was a was a darling of the 80s. He was. This movie was made in the 90s. In 1995. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, this was what, like 1988? Probably Ron Howard wasn't a big thing. Nope. By then. Nope, 1995. Yep. Oh. <laughs> this is like after, probably after Apollo 13 or right around there. Yes. And yeah, so... Ron Howard's a thing. Uh, he is a hundred percent aware from talking to him and watching like the the the, the special features of the, the DVD that's worth almost a hundred dollars now. He is well aware of what this movie is, and that is a pile of shit mm-hmm. that is fun to watch because it is a pile of shit. And that's the best thing is when somebody's self-aware. Like when I talked to him about this movie, he was like, I have no idea. Like he had no more answers for me about this pillow thing yeah. than I did. I legitimately went to him looking for him to say you know, they looked for like six weeks for like a heavy set actor, but they couldn't find one. So they thought this was the best thing to do. And they crushed the numbers and they couldn't come up with a way to like make a a young child actor look heavy set. He was just like, I don't know. They used a pillow. It's crazy, right? <laughs> and, and it was like the best interaction with a celebrity that I can think of that he's just on the same level as me. He's like. He's like hitting me in the elbow. Like, can you believe they used a pillow? That's insane. I that's I'd like uh, actors who can take the piss out of themselves. Who can who can or like, I don't know, celebrities or people we put on a pedestal in yes. general. When when they can just not just be like, hey, I'm a regular guy like you, but just kind of like, dude, I. I did some shit things and I know that they were shit. Yeah. That's exactly what he was with this. The example that I always use with this is there's a a Sesame street that Michael Stipe of REM shows up and he is a fairy. Okay. So he's legit dressed as a fairy and he's like, bidding fairy. (laughs) And like, he knows that jokes on him as being a gay dude Mm -hmm. in the nineties. Right. Yeah. And he's 100% on board. And that's all it takes for me to win you over. Like, do you remember when the whole Michael Myers, Kanye West thing went down with George W. Bush and Katrina? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Saturday Night Live thing? I can't say that I do. So painting a picture for our millennial group out there. Hurricane Katrina was a big deal in that it was a hurricane that negatively Katrina. <laughs> that negatively impact Louisiana and the southern states of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And George W. Bush's response time was lackluster, to say the least. Yeah. So there was a degree of questioning whether he was reacting that way due to uh, the being race. Predominantly black community. Yes. Um, <clears throat> or or it was just general general ineptitude. Mm-hmm. So there was a fundraiser on PBS or something, right? It was every. It was on all the stations. Okay, yeah. so it was Kanye West and Michael Myers, mm-hmm. not the horror character, right? But the actor, yes, Mike <laughs> named, Myers, named Mike Myers. And he, during this, they're both just reading off a teleprompter. Yes, that's what they're supposed Kanye, to be doing. Kanye West says, "Quote." Hold on, Michael Myers like gives his monologue about you got to give money and everything. And he's reading it. He's like, he's, you know, he's normally the funny guy. Yes. And he realizes that the reason he's there is because he's the funny guy and everybody loves him, but he has to have a very somber tone. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, read off the prompter. <laughs> please give money. Blah, 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 blah. And, my, and Kanye West says, George W. Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> and how does Michael Myers react? Michael Myers does a. <laughs> Almost a double take, and then you cut to Chris Tucker, because that wasn't, like, I don't think that was supposed to be the end. I don't think Kanye was supposed to have the final line there, and you cut to Chris Tucker, and Chris Tucker's eyes are fucking huge, and then he really, like, he's just like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to say my shit. Uh, (laughs) Just like big fucking saucers. It's my favorite. It's... Oh, everything's my favorite, but because you know I love life, and this might be, but it's a great moment. This might history. be, this is probably, this might be. Looking back on it, because we've talked about how like we look at George W. Bush now as like the goofy uncle that was kind of an idiot, mm-hmm. and it might be looking about it as that. But I look back at it now with Katrina and think it wasn't a racist thing; it was just a general "I'm bad at my job" thing. Mm-hmm. Is the way I think about it. Do you agree with that or not? For Bush? For Bush, for Katrina. I looked at it like I don't I'm, know. I'm not good at my job is basically mm-hmm. what I look at it. I don't think it was, I don't care about black people, so I'm not going to send in the National Guard. I look yeah. at it like I'm not very good at my job and I can't I can't decide what's a big deal. And I I'm think it could golf. have been the people who, who I trust to tell me what the best decision is. Maybe they have some racial motives. Sure, maybe at, at worst. I, th- I think George W. Bush is a kind-hearted war, war criminal. He's, you know, <laughs> a kind-hearted war criminal. Did you see him give uh, Michelle Obama the hard candy? No, at John McCain's funeral. No, I didn't. That was precious. What? Okay, so paint the picture for me. I think I've got it in my head, but I need you to do it for me. Okay, so George W. Bush mm-hmm. is sitting next to Michelle Obama, and he hands her a hard candy. Mm-hmm. That's all of the story. So this and is, it's precious. This is the this is the worm holder warm hearted old man at church that just mm-hmm. gives away hard candy. Yeah. Okay. I that's I would I think we're on the same page yeah, here, right? It's great. Um so the week after that, two weeks after that, three weeks after that, whatever. Uh they they have an SNL skit mm-hmm. in which Mike Myers is backstage at SNL and Kanye West walks up to him. And the whole skit is that there's this awkward exchange between the two where Kanye's like, hey, what's up? And Michael Myers is like awkward and was like, uh, nothing. How are you? And Kanye West is like, uh, I'm good. Thanks. And it's just the whole point is that it's awkward between the two. Right. Mm-hmm. And that immediately won me over for Kanye West. Yeah. Because he's willing to take the piss out of himself. 
And that's incredible. And I love that. Like I saw a tweet that he did at one point too, where he like literally, he took a picture of a water bottle. Kanye West took a picture of a, of a water bottle and said, I was asleep on the plane and I woke up and they gave me this water bottle. So now I feel like I'm responsible for this water bottle. And like, that's such a human thing. Like this dude has billions of dollars, way more money Mm -hmm. than you and I will ever see. But he at least was self-aware enough to know, like there was this awkward moment with the water bottle, which was, which was endearing to him. And then cut to, uh, October of 2018. And he is on SNL doing not doing a skit just doing his uh rap dressed as a water bottle what really he, he dressed as a as a Why? bottle of perrier and the other guy dressed as a bottle of fuji fiji water because he's crazy he's fucking kanye west did you see his like crazy rant to no to trump nope he monologues for oh, 10 I minutes know, i know he's like a huge and, trump's guy now right like he, he met with yeah, him and wearing like, met the with hat him and stuff and like oh my god okay First of all, his passcode on his iPhone was... Did I just accidentally endorse Trump? God damn it! If I just accidentally endorsed Trump, fuck. You're too drunk. <laughs> Put your mega hat away. Am I drunk? You're slurring your speech. Um, I feel like I'm being coherent and hilarious. I just, I just watched a video where it talked about... Because I have Facebook. Uh-huh. And it talked about how... Whiskey, which is what my my drink of choice is, is like healthier than than wine, and that you're you're most creative at point zero seven five, which I'm well aware I'm probably past right now, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm to the point of being totally unreasonable. Well, the latest scientific studies show that no amount of alcohol is healthy. They used to say that one dose of alcohol. That's not what Facebook just said. Okay. Anyway, so Con- so Kanye met with Trump, right? First of all, he does his passcode on live TV, and his passcode is literally zero 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 zero. All right, here's why he's doing his passcode, right? Because he has a picture of a jet that he wants the U.S. military to start using. I'm sorry, is this a bit? Nope. That it's zero 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 zero. Nope. This isn't a bit. This is this is live television. So his his lunch with President Trump happened on live TV. It was like. Live on CNN and Fox News and all that. It was him and Jim Brown, the Hall of Fame running back for the Browns, and President Trump. Is This feels this feels like a dumb question, but this is important to me. Mm-hmm. What is Jim Brown's race? He's black. Okay. Because uh, I feel like this is what's most important to Trump, is he's like, I've got a black guy that endorses me. Yeah. Okay, so now he, has, now he has two black guys right. that endorse him. Okay. Uh, yeah, and... So Kanye monologues for 10 minutes, and then uh, Trump is like, this guy, he's crazy, right? There's nobody like him. Yeah. Anyway. I would agree with that. <laughs> so two weeks after Kanye is on SNL, Seth Meyers is hosting, and Seth Meyers talks about, uh, he in his monologue, this is the longest podcast we've ever done, by the way. Uh, Seth Meyers in his monologue says... Uh, tells the Kanye story. He's like, that was crazy when he came out in those water bottles, right? And like, he was like, uh, back when, uh, I think it was his first, he was talking about his first year there. Um, he like ha- had his Kanye moment and why he, he uh, isn't, he never, he never thinks Kanye does anything weird and because he's met Kanye. He is Seth Meyers is saying this. Yes. Okay. So he says, 
uh, he uh, he they approached Kanye and was like, hey, um, he w- he was just the musical guest. He wasn't the host. And he was like, hey, we kind of wanted to put you in this sketch um, where you just interrupt award shows. And it like starts with like a major award show and then goes down to like a state fair where he thinks he should uh, he, his pumpkin should have won or whatever. Right? Was he the guy that interrupted? Hold on. And said so and so should have won the. Hold on. We'll get there. Grammy. Uh, it was an MTV Video Music Award, but Kay. yes. Okay, so he's like, and Kanye's response was like, "Yeah, that's just funny. I do that, <laughs> right?" Okay. So Seth Meyers tells the story and everything. I can respect that so far. <laughs> if he can say I would interrupt a pumpkin award, I think that's funny. But he's, he's, yeah. So, like Seth Meyers tells the story and then he goes, "Now you are all thinking that that was after that was two thousand and that was two thousand and seven or whatever." He didn't do the the thing for two more years. Two years later, he interrupted Taylor Swift. <laughs> that was Beck too, right? He interrupted Beck won. No, and I fucking like Beck. Taylor Swift won. Beck, I think, was the presenter. No, 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 no. Taylor Beck, Swift won. No, and Beck he said, won. no, no, no. I'm gonna no, give you. No, nope. Beck it, won. It happened to Taylor Swift, and he says Beck won, and he says Taylor Swift should have won. No, Taylor's he interrupts Taylor Swift and she doesn't know what to do because she isn't Taylor Swift yet. And he's like, I'm gonna let you finish, but Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Dude, it's an iconic pop music pop culture moment. I know what I'm talking about here. Beck is involved. I think he presented the award and no. he's in the background. Beck won album of the year for that year and he says Taylor Swift should have won. I'm Googling Beck wins. You are Kanye. so wrong interrupts what are we betting right now i'm i'm googling it live right now i will playback. bet you a hundred dollars 100 percent. hundred dollars right now done this is exciting what the fuck kanye west attacks beck's win at 2015 grammy awards open with youtube okay that's 2015 grammy awards that's fine we're talking about the 2008 vmas or whatever we're saying beck is interrupted because beck won best artist you specifically said that moment, and that moment was he interrupted Taylor Swift. No, he interrupted Beck winning. That may have been that may have happened in 2015. We're talking about 2009 or Hold whatever. Are we interrupting more than one interruption by Kanye West? He, if he did that at the 2015 Grammys, then he done that. That's a, either a joke or he's a crazy person because it's probably the latter. So hold on. I, here's the thing. Let's not do this live. Okay. I legitimately think what we're happening is Kanye West is so fucking insane that he's interrupted twice. That's fine. And he, we're both yeah, right. He may have done that. And we're both right. Yeah. He 100% Beck won for the album Morning Face because I'm a Beck fan. There's not okay. that much popular music that I like. He won Best Album of the Year for Morning Face and Kanye West interrupted. Now that I'm replaying this in my head, you're probably right in that that happened for what you're saying too. Yeah, he interrupted Taylor Swift. And we're both right. Yeah, and said Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Okay, he said Beyonce should have won for album of the year for this year that Beck won. Okay. So I think that's true. <laughs> okay. Let's finish talking about Ice Cream Man so we can wrap this shit up. Ice Cream Man. This movie sucks. I don't know if it sucks. I think it's, it's not fun. fucking terrible. Blood Diner is fun. This Blood isn't Diner fun. is fun. And Ice Cream Man is something that you can watch with a group if you don't have if you've already if watched If you don't watch Blood if you haven't watched Blood <laughs> Diner or Troll Two or 
or Jack Frost or Jack Frost. Yeah. Uh, I agree. (laughs) Don't watch it alone, but not because it's scary. Um, And the names on the credits are in the wrong order, but just for the cast. They put their real names on the left and their character names on the right. And then, like, it gets past the cast, and then it says executive producer on the left in the same font that it said, like, Jan Michael Vincent. And then their names are on the right. Maybe that's the porn way that you're supposed to do it. And these Maybe. folks were. Oh, I didn't reference my page. money shot part mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, so, cop guy goes in, cop brother goes in. Uh, I love you said quickly, like, we need to get to a commercial. <laughs> we need to. I, I still need to go home and listen to all this prattling so I can write the notes. There's a hockey game on in two hours. Uh, so. Cop brother goes in and then uh, comes out and gets in the car, but it's not him. It's the ice cream man. And then in slow motion, he stabs her in the jaw, except you see slow motion of like Clint Howard raising his arm and then you hear a scream, but you don't see anything. And then later, like a few seconds later, you see the knife in her jaw but you don't get the money shot of him actually stabbing her. So what was the point of that? I found my ice cream man notes. Oh, cool. What do you have? Read them off. Uh, his ice cream truck says, watch out for children or watch out children. Okay. Instead of watch out for children. That's right. They did paint over the four. Um, okay. So two ice cream st- sickles and a bomb puff, which I don't know what the fuck bomb a pop is equals 11 quarters two dimes in one nickel okay okay uh which is one dollar and 75 cents that that's two dollars and 50 cents whatever the dollar amount is that doesn't i I might have written wrote stuff down there wrote stuff (laughs) are you trying to say that you're not drunk uh he has a push pop knife which i think is fucking awesome so he legit has a push pop that he pushes out and then turns into a razor blade that he uses to cut people that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an eye cone in his ice cream. He like cores out somebody's eyeball. And he gives it to the cop. And he uses it for that. It's action cop. Um, uh, the Archangel Gabriel is speaking through uh, somebody else. I believe it was the Archangel Michael. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the priest is crazy and uh, his wife is probably dying and he thinks it's Jesus. Uh, Clint Howard as the ice cream man is blind because Tuna, who we've established as the fat kid, hides under the produce cart in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to find Tuna, who's the fat kid. Right. In the grocery store. Uh-huh. He sits under it, and the woman working at the grocery store is able to push him around without noticing that the 200-pound boy is underneath the cart. Yeah. And Clint Howard doesn't see him. Mm-hmm. He's got a major blind spot. Well, his back has been turned. He already looked at that area, and Tuna wasn't there. Here's a legitimate question I want to debate for just a second. Sure. Is the ice cream man special needs? Yes. Okay, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like his landlord takes care of him like he's a child, and he constantly is like, it's not a happy, happy day. So, yeah. Do... Does Clint Howard 
So we, we get a recurring theme. Is Clint Howard special needs? Probably not. There is plastic spinning flowers that make a reappearance throughout the movie. Uh-huh. They're daisies. Does Clint Howard, first of all, think that these are real flowers? Uh, I don't know. Jane Michael Vincent thinks that he thinks that they're real. Okay. So we've established at least one person that's not Clint Howard that is not special needs thinks that they are real, right? No, he thinks that Clint Clint Howard Howard thinks thinks that that they're real. There's various discrepancies throughout this film of whether or not these plastic daisies are real. Well, he says, how do you get them to grow so high? And Clint Howard responds with, I fertilize them with dead cops. But, you know, but I he's felt not like a that, suspect. Yeah, I feel like that was a uh, uh, a knock against cops. But there's definitely a, a disagreement on whether people think this is real. Really? After they just served a search warrant and knocked over everything and didn't find the little child who was I feel not like that very was, hidden away? I feel like that was a knock against cops. Like, yeah. fuck you, cop. Um, yeah, that was the point of it. Good job. I like Ice Cream Man more than you. Fuck you. <laughs> I just feel like you're in this drunk phase where, like, you think everything you say is insightful. And that wasn't insightful at all. He jumps off of the top of the ice cream truck at one point uh-huh. and has two ice cream scoops. And he's able to knock out two people simultaneously with ice cream scoops. Yeah. That's impressive. I don't think I could pull that off. Probably not. There was a promotional ice cream scoop that was that was sold or given away Uh probably given away to like vhs rental places mm-hmm. and it goes for a lot of money on ebay i really want one so if there's a fan out there that wants to buy me one i would accept that gift send it to p.o box next week next week first movie wait blood diner or ice cream man blood diner blood diner first movie uh this is at the time of my watching it, the scariest movie I'd ever seen in my life. This is that's high praise. Uh, it's the Blair Witch Project. This is an incredibly scary movie. That, uh, yeah, I that now that I've seen it and it has entered into the pop culture, I think the f- the f- filmmaking behind this is by far the most interesting part about it. How long ago uh, since you watched it? 1994? Mm. Where have you seen it since? I I mean, I was probably young 20s. Yeah? Probably. Okay. Good. Uh, Any idea what the next movie is going to be then? Probably Blair Witch. Probably Blair Witch. Hey, look, it's Blair Witch. There's something evil hiding in the woods. Um, I haven't heard the best things about this, but I haven't seen it, and I kind of checked out when i i didn't care about it okay what do you think it is i'm gonna guess that it is a not quite a remake okay but hey we made the same movie by make we made a different movie but it's the same movie okay that sounds fair no justin mm-hmm. what else you got for us she tar